Welcome everyone to the EOS Fireside Chat for April 12th, 2023. We've got a great show for you today. Lots of topics, lots of great guests. We're going to be starting, of course, with the topic of the week. EOS EVM is launching this week. We're talking about EVM tokenomics today, understanding the economics behind the EOS EVM. Of course, the EOS EVM also passed a code audit recently. Then we're moving on to some impressions from the big Web3 Summit going on in Hong Kong from Eve, although Eve is not joining us today. Uh, we are going to check out what he's been saying on Twitter. After that, we've got a special guest, David Packham, the CEO of Chintai, is going to be with us today, giving us some updates on their quest to tokenize securities on the blockchain. And then we're talking some Eden election results. Congrats to Lenny and Mozy DS, our new head chief delegates. We'll be hearing from some of them later uh, today, as well as hearing from Bishop for the results of the EOS Respect election that also happened just yesterday, I believe. Then we're going to round out the show with the Yield Plus March report, giving us a deep dive into the EOS-based DeFi activity on the network. We're going to be talking a bit about the Leap 4.0 demos, showcasing the latest antelope-based innovations, and then wrapping it all up with some Pomelo Astronaut Ordinals mission updates. There's the deadline for 20 to send your astronauts. Maybe we'll be revealing some extra details about this upcoming mission as well. But before we get into all of that good stuff, let me remind you that EOS is a layer one smart contract platform that is governed by its community. It's the only crypto network that had its foundation emerge organically from within the community years after the launch of the network. Ever since EOS, the EOS network took its fate into its own hands by stopping the vesting tokens of block one that were originally allocated for block one and establishing instead the EOS network foundation. The network has seen a profusion of initiatives being researched and deployed in the last 18 months. We're talking Pomelo crowdfunding platform launch, Yield Plus launch, Recover Plus launch, the grant framework launch, the Antelope rebrand, followed by the Antelope Coalition, amounting to the EOS Independence Day in September of last year, then followed up with the EOS Roadshow, sharing our story with the crypto world. And then this year, some big developments happening. Inter-blockchain communication already launched. EOS EVM launching this week. EOS Network Ventures still in work, work in progress. And of course, all sorts of EOS partnerships with Binance, Masari, Pusan, and others in the works right now in Hong Kong. By the way, there's still a lot of funding, EOS funding opportunities available today. Whether you're new to our community or you've been with us for years, we encourage crypto builders of all kinds, from content creators to developers, to take a look at the new EOS and find out how they can get funded while adding value to our ecosystem. So in case it wasn't yet, Crystal clear, EOS is in the midst of an epic narrative reversal and the new EOS has the potential to become one of the greatest comeback story of 2023. My name is Stefan, I'm one of the co-founders of EOS Nation. We're a top-ranked block producer on EOS and other antelope chains and I'm happy and honored to be your host for today. All right, let's get this show going. Already 60 people with us in Discord. I think that's a record in terms of... Uh, 60 people in uh, just a few minutes. Usually it takes us maybe 10, 15 minutes to get to that number. 
But uh, I like all of you being here. There's a lot of great topics. I'm not surprised we got a lot of people showing up. A lot of really interesting stuff to discuss today. A lot of great guests that are going to be sharing updates from their projects. And of course, at any time, we want to hear from all of you guys, either in the Discord chat, in the YouTube chat, in the comments, on our, twi uh, on our Twitter stream, wherever it is, share your comments. We got Dave monitoring those social media. Sometimes he can share those comments into Discord, even if they come from outside platforms. And of course, if you're on Discord with us, that's great. Spam those emojis, share those meme images in the chat. And of course, join me on stage at any time to say hi to the community, share your thoughts, share a question, whatever it is. I always appreciate it when I don't have to talk all the time. Um, all right, kidding, kind of. But all right, but uh, so before we get the show started, pop token giveaway reminder, get your pop token in the PopBot chat channel on Discord, register for your EOS account. Reminder that you do have to be in the EOS voice chat channel when you register for those pop tokens. If you try to be sneaky, I will catch you. Um, and then with your pop tokens, you can redeem them for monthly raffle tickets. We did uh, the March raffle prizes uh, last week, Spent, uh, sent out 250 EOS in EOS airdrops that are claimable through a fun NFT, uh, NFT and as well some party crackers for anyone who wasn't lucky enough to win some EOS. And so that's kind of it for the intro of the show. Let's get into the topics. All right, EOS, EOS EVM tokenomics. Of course, the EOS EVM is launching this week on Friday, April 14th in just a few days. And a few days ago, while we've been talking about the tokenomics very often on this EOS Fireside chat, obviously it's one of the things that's probably of most interest for EOS token holders, especially since the um, the adjusted tokenomics make it so that the base token for gas on the EOS EVM is the EOS native token. So that adds a lot of very interesting uh, features for this EOS EVM. And we're going to, and so this article here that I shared the link for in the chat, EOS EVM tokenomics deep dive covers a lot of these topics. Well, well explained and very clear to understand kind of the implications. So, uh, grab your drink, grab some popcorn. I'm going to go read through this article. I've highlighted some of the key phrases that I thought uh, were important to share. And uh, and then on top of that, you know, I'm inviting anyone from the ENF. If you guys have other insights to share, feel free to jump in. Someone from the crowd has questions, whatever. Also feel free to jump in, of course. All right. So let's get into it. So Building bridges between EOS EVM and EOS native DAX. So interoperability was a key part of the EOS EVM design. And it's important that economic value can flow freely between the native EOS chain and the EOS EVM layers. And with the trustless bridge that is featured in the EOS EVM, users don't have to rely on third-party articles oracles to move tokens from EOS native to EOS EVM. Bridge fee breakdown. 
All EVM transactions, which includes outgoing bridge transfers, requires the user to pay gas fees. That's kind of obvious. However, incoming bridge transfers start as an EOS transaction, which causes the EOS EVM contract to internally generate an EVM transaction. So this transaction incurs a cost, but since it was generated outside the EOS EVM contract, there's no mechanism for the user to directly pay for that cost. So instead, there's a small fee that has been implemented uh, when you're doing your first incoming, uh, when you're bridging tokens from native EOS onto EOS EVM. Uh, the fee is configurable. Right now, it's fixed at 0.01 EOS. So a penny or two, um, which is obviously very, very low. So that's very interesting. Uh, I think this detail, it's the first time I, I heard about it when reading this article earlier today. And so I think that's uh, that, that's very interesting to know. Uh, of course, this article goes into more details than I'm going to cover here today. So if you're interested, uh, well, of course, you can ask questions. We've got a couple experts on the show right now that can probably ask, answer your questions. Or if you're listening on the replay, go to the link, um, which will be shared in the show notes below. All right, moving on. Improving the user experience for EVM users. So the trustless bridge also removes a prominent barrier for users coming to EOS EVM from other EVM ecosystems. And that's the need to create an EOS native account. I'm sure the vast majority of you guys in here have encountered the issue of trying to onboard new users into EOS and then, oh my God, the EOS account creation process. Thankfully, now we have EOS support that we can send all of these uh, queries too, which I appreciate very much. Uh, but, you know, this EOS EVM, one of the features is that it makes onboarding into the EOS network as seamless as just generating a free Ethereum address in any Ethereum wallet. So, so to solve this issue, if a user wishes to interact only with the EOS EVM, they can simply generate a free address in the application, like I said, and they can purchase EOS native tokens on any exchange and send it out directly to their EOS EVM account utilizing this trustless bridge. This makes for a seamless user experience where the end user is not required to re interact with EOS native at all. So currently at a technical level, the bridging mechanism only works with the native token EOS. Uh, and while not part of the launch, EOS EVM engineers are considering going beyond, beyond this and enabling functionality to support other tokens in the future. In the meantime, however, the multi-chain multi bridge, which is a partnership that we talked about in the last few weeks, will make it easy for dApps to bridge their own tokens into the EOS EVM economy. EOS EVM gas model. So there's some notes on calculating gas fees that I won't get into, uh, but the EVM, the EOS EVM covers, also covers storage costs within those gas fees when users are interacting on the EOS EVM. So the EOS EVM engineers considered many options for how to handle the mapping between gas fees on the EOS EVM and the underlying resources costs such as RAM, CPU, net, all those fun stuff. Ultimately, the decision was made to aim for maximum compatibility and simplicity for the end user, especially during the initial launch, which I think makes a lot of sense. All right. Routing gas fees from EOS EVM to EOS native. Here's where it gets interesting for all of us EOS holders. So the first cost to the EOS native computational costs for CPU and net must be covered by an EOS account that's first authorizer. 
Basically, a portion of the EVM transaction fees can be routed to this EOS account if they claim themselves as the miner of this EVM transaction and have already an open balance with the EVM contract. So while anyone, so and so these miners are also linked to the running of RPC nodes that are focused on accepting valid EVM transactions, wrapping them in the EOS transactions and submitting them to the EOS blockchain. So while anyone can act as this miner, the ENF will provide the service to ensure that reliable RPC endpoints uh, can be expected by wallets such as MetaMask are immediately available from launch. The second portion of the cost for internal EVM operations is, uh, is primarily determined by the EOS EVM contracts RAM consumption. So this cost is covered by the remaining portion of the gas fees uh, of of the EVM transactions that are not routed to the miner. These fees accumulate in a special balance account, which can be withdrawn with uh, authorization of its active permission at any time. So the purpose of these accumulated fees is first to buy more RAM for the EOS EVM contract, but fees in excess of this will uh, can be pulled out to cover other operational costs such as subsidizing costs of running reliable RPC nodes for read requests or allocated to future burns. This part was a bit technical and in the weeds. I highly encourage you guys to visit the article, reread it yourselves, reread the sections that you need to reread to understand. I know I had to read it a couple of times to really kind of grasp how all of this works. But now we started talking about potential future burns, which I'm sure a lot of you are uh, interested in. I, I know I sure am. Increasing the utility of EOS and activating a burn mechanism. Burning RPC profits. So because the ENF expenses, expenses, including RPC nodes, are already subsidized by the network, the ENF is not required to take a profit from these leftover fees that is charged for running the RPC node service. So instead, this presents an opportunity to create a burn mechanism underneath the gas model. The ENF has made a commitment to burn all of the profit that it collects from running its RPC servers. Now it's important to highlight that anyone is welcome to run their own RPC nodes rather than relying on the nodes run by the ENF. Uh, however, in order to, um, Yeah, we're just gonna leave it there. If you want more details on that, go into the article. Uh, so that kind of covers the big points that I found most interesting in this article. Uh, and then, you know, the article finishes by recapping the kind of four big highlights. Increased utility through the EOS, th th increased utility through the use of EOS as the EVM's native token. The trustless bridge allowing EOS to be seamlessly transferred from EOS native to the EOS EVM. The EOS EVM gas model, which is compatible with what EVM users expect at the front end, but at the back end, routes capture transaction fees to the EOS native, and the upcoming burn mechanism that will burn all profits collected from running the ENF's RPC endpoints. Phew, that was a lot of text to read. I hope you guys were able to follow along. Like I said, if you didn't, I definitely recommend uh, going out and, and reading the article. All right, Zach, Liam, I know Liam worked on this article as well. Is he in here right now? Liam is not with us right now. Um, 
Zach didn't jump in at any point to correct me, so I imagine uh, I got most of that right. I uh, think you did a pretty good job. I think it'd be better to see if anyone has questions than to try to add anything. You did a pretty good job. There you go. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to the chat. Let me scroll through here. We got a nice bunch of images. It doesn't look like we have questions. Oh, yeah, here we go. I found one from Mark Stair. How was the EVM gas fee determined? He's suggesting it may be too low right now. I don't know if that's um, a question. <clears throat> yeah, you can handle that. So it's it's not dynamic. It was manually set uh, based on uh, the main consideration is um, RAM and CPU resources underlying the, the gas transaction. And then the other thing is comparing uh, the costs to other competitors such as uh, Polygon or Aurora EVM or Avalanche. I'm hearing an echo, but um, that was that was that's one of the biggest reasons for not increasing the gas cost because obviously with the burn mechanism, uh, the higher the gas costs, um, that doesn't mean that the underlying CPU costs more or it requires more RAM. It just means there's a bigger profit margin on the gas fees, which would equate to more EOS being burned. But the problem with that is you need to also uh, be considerate of the competitors and have transaction fees in line uh, with what what uh, users are paying on chains such as Polygon, such as Avalanche, such as Binance Smart Chain. So if we had gas fees that were three or four X higher than theirs, it wouldn't really uh, be a good selling point for the EVM. Shans is asking in the chat, can, can we make things simple? EOS using RAM and CPU kind of complicates things. Well, that's the great part of this about this EOS EVM is it makes it very simple and it basically abstracts away all of that. And if you want to just hang out in the EOS EVM and not worry about RAM, CPU, net, you can do just that. And all you got to do is pay these very small uh, competitive fees uh, for using your EOS EVM product. And that's and that's not to say this none of like the ENF engineering team is <laughs> and the Antelope Coalition is well aware of uh the complexities of the EOS resource model. Um just because we're I, I reiterated this on I think last fireside chat is just because we're talking a lot about EOS EVM right now does not mean that there's not improvements being considered and being made to the antelope protocol and one of those is simplifying the resource model it's just those are all very long like much more long-term solutions than what we're going to have with the eocvm eocvm is, is uh, going live uh within the next day and a half uh whereas the uh simplified resource model simplified account creation simplified everything that's going to happen over time and then there's other Things in the pipeline, such as the Wharf SDKs, there's just a lot being built for native EOS right now. And EOS EVM is kind of like a fast track to solving all of those problems and complications, while in parallel, um, we're working on Antelope still. Um, and that's all going to ramp up. So what I guess the public hasn't really seen is how much of the engineering resources uh, within the ENF have been uh, working on getting the EVM across the finish line over the last couple of months. 
um, as the EVM launches, uh, there will be s- still dedicated engineers. So uh, Doctor Who and uh, Mateus, uh, uh, Romeo, uh, they'll still be uh, fully uh, focused on EOCVM. But some of our other engineers, like uh, Arreg, for example, our principal engineer with the ENF, uh, he's like basically all of the work that was dedicated to, e- to the EVM leading up to the EVM launch a lot of those engineering resources are going to shift back over and they already have shifted back over to Antelope. So now that um, EOCVM is uh, code complete and getting shipped, uh, that opens up a lot of uh, additional resources that could focus more on uh, the Antelope protocol and, and also system contracts uh, strictly for EOS. So not all of the engineering work is uh, for Antelope Coalition or Antelope Protocol. Some of it is going to be system contracts that are uh, tailored specifically for EOS. There you go. I just want to point out that uh, Daniel Keyes here of EOS Nation uh, replied to the comment about making things more simple that this topic did come up on the Node Operator Roundtable, which are weekly meetings, uh, which actually we'll be talking about later on in the show. Uh, talking about a unified resource model. So that's definitely on the radar. And then Aaron Cox uh, also jumped in that uh, Anchor makes it simple and abstracts all of that away as well. And soon Warth, like Zach mentioned, uh, will let all apps do the same. So there's definitely progress being made uh, on this topic, both on the native EOS side and, uh, of course, on the EVM side. Very cool. Uh, Saifu, Saifu's Mac asks, how many TP? Not sure what that means. Transactions per second, TPS maybe? And what happens to the gas fee when the chain is highly congested? I like that we're getting questions about what to do when there's too much activity on the ELCBM. But Zach, is this, um, what's kind of, what's kind of the game plan in that regards? I mean, there, there's definitely a buffer. The, the chain would be required to get... The, the gas fees would essentially go up. Uh, it wouldn't be dynamic. It would be uh, kind of... At least not initially, it won't be automatic. There's still... That could be a function that comes later, but it, it's essentially the more congestion, the higher, higher the gas fees will go. But because of the capacity of EOS, it's unlikely that the uh, the underlying CPU costs are going to go up significantly enough to really be noticeable for most end users if you're paying a half a penny or a penny or a penny and a half most end users aren't really going to notice the difference on the fees it's like even 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 in a congested state they'd be quite low and we'd be talking like over 100 million like transactions to like reach the same capacity that we saw during idos and uh if, if that level of transactions would ever happen again um, with the power-up model, it, it would n- be much better because 100% of the network resources are available rather than only the network resources that were staked in the RECs as it was uh, previously whenever we hit that kind of congestion. It would be a good problem to have. All right, Shans, uh, saying that he's back attending the Fireside after two and a half months. And he's highlighting that the developments taking place in EOS is amazing. Absolutely great projects that will announce and momentum for sure. You took uh, 
it's a good timing to come back uh, to the firesides. Definitely very exciting these days. All right, any other EOS EVM uh, questions? Of course, the the audit was also passed this week um, or last week. And uh, here we can I can share a tweet from Eve talking about this briefly, saying that now that the EOS EVM has successfully passed its security audit conducted by Sentinel IO, we're all set for launch on April 14th. So actually, we got someone from Sentinel IO joining us on the fireside next week, uh, if everything goes according to plan. So we're definitely going to be talking more about audits, EOS, and the EOS CBM audit. Uh, next week with Sentinel directly. So maybe we can save this topic uh, for next week. But uh, other than that, if you have, guys have questions or comments for EOS EVM stuff, now's the time to bring them up. All right, we got a question here from Java Pro. What decentralized exchange or centralized exchange will first uh, launch on the EOS EVM? Um, I mean, in terms of centralized exchange, those don't launch on EVMs. And the way the EOS EVM is set up is that exchanges are still going to be withdrawing the EOS tokens to a EOS native account. So there's nothing on their side that has to be done in order to integrate withdrawals from centralized exchange to the EOS EVM. Users will simply withdraw to the EOS EVM address on EOS and include their Ethereum public key as the memo in order for the EOS EVM smart contract to allocate those funds to the right uh, account. So in terms of centralized exchanges, there's actually not, nothing uh, for them to do on their end in order to be able to have their users withdraw directly to EOSVM. In terms of decentralized exchanges, um, definitely there's a couple that are working. I'm not sure which one is going to be first to launch. I know Esteban, um, who sometimes joins these uh, these, who often joins these fireside chats. He's working on uh, on the on a swap himself that I know he's looking forward to launching on this EVM. Um, but in terms of which one will get there first, we don't know yet. There we go to Zach Gall name dropping some DAP names. Uh, I don't know if these are all decentralized exchanges, but he's saying multi-chain, neutrino, frog swap, Noah Finance should all be launching shortly after the launch. And there may be others, of course, that Zach's not aware of. My pleasure to answer Java Pro. Thanks for joining us. 89 people in the fireside. I mean, I think that's a record. I think the only one that ever went higher than that was the 2021 year in review show. Uh, but yeah, it's great to see the excitement uh, in, the, in EOS and in this fireside chat.
right. Let's move on to our next topic of the day. And of course, uh, if you guys have any questions, there's always the open mic section at the end. So I see here, Sean's asking a couple of questions not related to the LCBM. Uh, we can definitely get to those um, later on in the show. Thanks for, thanks for sharing those questions. Uh, next up on the agenda, we had impressions from Hong Kong Web3 Summit going on right now. This is a big week uh, in crypto, big week for EOS. Uh, Yves Lahoz, uh, founder and CEO of the EOS Network Foundation, is out there. He's, he's been doing panels. He's been doing private meetings. He's been attending events. I know he has a very packed schedule. He shared a bit of that with us uh, last week on the far side. Here we can see a tweet that I just shared from the EOS Network Foundation highlighting that uh, Eve attended the Foresight 2023 Hong Kong Web3 Summit where he spoke on the main stage about discovering the next frontier for permissionless blockchains. The replay for that event is already up on YouTube. Um, Eve here then quoted a tweet saying it was two years ago, it was DeFi summer, last year was NFT summer, and we're seeing maybe GameFi summer this year. Thanks Foresight Ventures for the opportunity to speak at the Foresight uh, Hong Kong Summit. And he invites us to watch the replay to hear his thoughts on the future of blockchain and why EOS is poised to handle mass adoption through GameFi. So here we've got the timestamped section of the video it's a eight hour video timestamp to when the eve is on the on the panel and so if you want to hear what eve had to say in front of the crypto world you can do that by watching this video what else did we get from eve here uh, on april 12th so that was just this morning at 2 a.m eastern time Eve tweeting that he had a great meeting about the potential of eos integrating into new world developments which is uh, the New World Development suite of services, in particular, their Hong Kong dollars and green storefronts. And then he said he's off to, uh, to meet with Invest, uh, Invest HK, which he then tweeted that he had a great meeting with Invest HK, looking forward to working together. Millions of dollars in investment support sub and subsidies available for developers in Web3 in Hong Kong. Synergies between EOS, between the EOS Network Ventures and the Hong Kong government are coming, apparently. So pretty, uh, pretty exciting updates from Eve. Um, let me he's probably sleeping right now. No new tweets, uh, but I'm sure we'll get some some more tweets as the week goes on. I think I think he's out there for nine days, if I remember correctly. A bunch of events, bunch of meetings. Looking forward to hearing some of the results of these meetings and potentially new uh, collaborations with EOS. Uh, we also had DeFi Box sharing some updates. They're out there representing EOS DeFi in Hong Kong. Um, funny story, apparently someone recognized the DeFi Box logo on, 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 um, in the subway or something on the way to the conference. It was great. So, so the DeFi Box uh, representative was pretty, pretty excited and stoked about that. Uh, in this tweet here that I shared, they're saying they're in Hong Kong for the Web3 Festival. Lots of Lots of fun, lots of opportunities to promote EOS Box wherever he can. And uh, he appreciated the meeting with the EOS Nation Foundation in their Hong Kong office. So that's very cool. He shared some some uh, some pics. 
with his uh, with his blockhead, um, and uh, yeah, it looks like a great conference. It looks like a lot of activities going on out there. I don't know if anyone from the ENF has more insights that they can share about some of the things going on in Hong Kong. That's it on my side. I'm tapped out. I just I'm just following along on Twitter like everyone else here. Um, so if anyone else has insights or if any of you are out there or have heard of, of someone out there, obviously love to hear what you guys think. Hi, Stefan. Hi, guys. Uh, hey, Stefan, do, um, is Danny in, in the house? Do we have some Pomelo updates? Pomelo updates. Um, we're in, in the midst of analysis, just wrapping up analysis right now for season five. Uh, we should be having, uh, we're, we're on track probably by next week to release the analysis report. Um, and we'll have just like last season, a one week appeal period. And um, so you'll be able to claim your matching funds, you know, let's say within two weeks. That was, was kind of where we're, where it's looking. And, um, and yeah, I can just say preliminary results looks like less Sybil than in the previous seasons, um, which is great. I think I think um, sort of the preventative measures that we're putting in place and the actions taken in previous seasons are proving to be an effective deterrent, um, which is awesome to see. And um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to sharing those results with the whole community and and getting ready for season six, which the the big the big exciting things we're planning there is multi pools for season six. So for the first time, rather than just having one main pool, we're going to have a, the main pool and one or potentially even two or three additional side pools, uh, with potentially additional matching partners. So stay tuned for some more news on that. Uh, awesome. Oh, and the other thing I can mention, yeah, sir. Uh, yeah. One more thing, bounties. Um, so we're actually also now planning to uh, begin inviting people to our private beta for bounties, which will be in a test environment with play tokens to start just playing around with it and, and giving us some feedback. Um, so that's going to be in the coming weeks. Leading up to season six and with a goal of following season six to be live in the real deal in production with bounties. All right, great updates, Daniel. Thanks for jumping in there. I was talking to myself muted after Hernan, uh, Hernan was speaking. So thanks. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. And, and Lenny's in the house. Uh, we just had the year selection. He was uh, selected chief, de uh, chief delegate. So congrats, Lenny. Uh, <laughs> You're jumping all over the place with my agenda topics, Hernan, but it's okay. We like you, and I like it that you're participating. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with it. Um, our our next topic was actually supposed to be uh, David Packham, CEO of Chintai, but I'm not sure if he's with us yet in the chat or if he is under another name. I do want to respect the timelines that I gave him. There we go. Gunnison Cat is here. So let's get into Chintai, and then we're gonna get into the Eden election roundup afterwards.
All right, so David, if you want to come on stage, introduce yourself for the people who may not know you, who may not have been around many, many years ago, back when uh, we were talking a lot about Chintai Onias. Uh, it's been a while since I haven't heard from you guys uh, in person, so I'm looking forward, yeah, looking forward for you to joining us on stage here. If you can. Mic issues, of course, so you'd have to unmute yourself. You might have to test your mic. Uh, standard stuff on Discord here for, for first-time guests. So in the bottom left of your Discord app, you should see a mic that you can right-click and unmute. It says you don't have permission to unmute. That is a new one. Um, Oh, then maybe I need to hold on. I need to give you a role. I need to give you a role here. EOS power user. I think that fits nicely. Mem member role. Member role. Yeah, exactly. And then member. Uh, I can find it. There we go. Member role. Should be able to unmute yourself now. Role for me. Jawa wants a role as well. Anyone who doesn't have a role, you can go to the get started section at the top of the, the server. You can assign yourselves your own role, but happy to give you guys a role as well. Java Pro, there we go. You're a member. Okay, there we go. Uh, hey. I, I joined. Is that you can you guys can hear me okay now? Yeah, we can hear you now, David. Welcome, uh, welcome to the EOS Fireside chat. Hey, thanks. Good to join you guys. Absolutely. So what have you been up to with Chintai lately? <laughs> well, that's that's a very uh, open-ended question. <laughs> uh, I, we I we have we're, between we're, we're, two to seven hours here on the fireside, so we've, we've got time. We've got time. All right. Yeah, well, <laughs> to some extent, you know, I, I'm conscious there's going to be quite a few people on this call who know quite a lot about what we're doing and some people who don't and so i would encourage you know um you to sort of pass on questions directly from them i think that might be quite a good way to to do this otherwise i'll just end up monologuing for half an hour and bore everyone um sure i'll, what I'll are definitely, we doing, I'll definitely yeah. check the chat if you can uh, give a quick introduction uh, about yourself sure. and then uh, yeah let's um, for, for those who are not not familiar with the sort of the, the history of chintai um it, it originally started out as the the effective leasing um, exchange and resource model that the community built out for uh, for EOS during its early phase, um, that subsequently then got replaced by Dan Larimer's vision of of the the Rex, which for those who who might remember, then got subsequently retired again um, as part of a, a general overhaul of the the resourcing model. But during that early formative period, Chintai was a fairly important part of how we we as a community um, tried to add some efficiency to how um, businesses operated on top of the EOS blockchain. This is long before DeFi even existed as a phrase. We actually had EOS being a yield-bearing token that was linked to usage on the network. So really quite healthy tokenomics looking back. It was, it was very much usage-driven. Um, and it worked. It worked extremely well to the point that all of the online uh, casinos, for example, that existed in that point, because because that was a really big part of the the um, uh, kind of crypto ecosystem, 
boomed uh, and operated extremely well fully on chain um, on EOS during that period. Um, and really from the roots of that early um, uh, early infrastructure that got built out, uh, an on-chain order management system that could handle um, high, relatively high volumes, we, we took a step back after we uh, issued the, the Chentai Chax token to start um, building out something that was going to be a lot more versatile and comprehensive. And, and the, the early vision of that was let's build out infrastructure that other um, other groups uh, on EOS and beyond can use to, to do different forms of issuance and markets because we could see that shared need across lots of different projects we were, were talking to. Uh, and then really pretty quickly as the SEC started coming down and, and arresting the first batch of people in sort of 2018, 19, it was quite clear that we couldn't just ignore uh, red compliance. And, and that changed our focus towards looking at, all right, if we're going to have to do everything here and, and manage that side of the, the, the equation for, for users too, how do we do this? And, and that led to us um, really having to think about financial licensing, which is not a small thing to do at all. It's, it's an extremely expensive, big undertaking, um, and you have to operate um, companies to a very different standard once they're financially licensed. But nonetheless, we thought, okay, you know, th this is going to be part of the path we're going to have to take. Um, did a raise, raised seven and a half million USD in the seed round um, and, and went ahead and, and applied for licensing in, in Singapore. Um, during that period, expanded out the dev team, primarily Europe-based, um, and, and then attained the two licenses at the back end of last year. Um, and in parallel with that, I've been building up the initial client pipeline. Um, and really, are basically, the network is built out now, um, and we're just working with the clients ready to actually kick off first issuances and secondary markets, which is when things really get interesting. Um, entire network itself is, is a, effectively a permissioned instance of Antelope at this stage. We're not interested in, in um, pushing to decentralize it yet. Uh, the, the, the key word there is yet, because long term, I don't see the point in, in doing this without decentralizing the network. But that has to be done hand in hand with, with the regulators um, and, and the clients to make sure everybody's comfortable with this standard. So it's operating to and so on and so forth. But over time, that will be part of it. And then another big part of this is while it's now currently going to be operating initially as a, as a wall rose garden of regulatory compliance, um, it would be a waste to not look at the liquidity and other um, benefits that you can see in the DeFi system, uh, all the chains, including EOS, and, and think about how they can actually provide useful services to, to, um, to this type of real-world asset tokenization. So maybe I'll stop there for a minute, um, and, and you guys can ask questions or, or change topics. Well done. Thanks for that nice intro and uh, quick overview of what you guys uh, are working on. That's great. Uh, I see you guys published an article today, or not today, but last week. I'm going to share that in the chat here and going to share a couple more relevant links. For example, your Twitter account. And um, yeah, I mean, looking at your Twitter account, we see a recent post of two days ago about uh, one of your clients, DNZ Venture. Uh, can you talk a bit more about uh, what this means for you guys? 
Yeah, I mean, I can talk uh, just at a relatively high level about all the different clients we've now signed commercial deals with without necessarily always going to specifics. Um, some cases, there's going to be press releases coming out um, with some regularity as as we get nearer actual um, launch with them. We, other, otherwise, what we'd have been doing is, is front-running these types of press releases as much as six, eight months ago, and then everyone would have forgotten about it. So it's part of a coordinated campaign goes hand in hand with the, the the utility of the checks token coming online, additional listings, and a, and a whole load of things that will be happening on the the checks tokenomic side um, that activate with with the network itself. Um, so we're basically we've been having to bide our time, which is I think frustrating for our our community, but it, it, it kind of is what it is. But to give you a general sense of this, we've now got um, ten confirmed commercial clients. They vary in size from um, relatively small um, startups that. Are, are operating out of Singapore um, and, and operating um, things like uh, green tech focused uh, raising vehicles, um, where they're going to be funding out projects in the sort of five to twenty mil range, um, and tokenizing those funds such that they'll be liquid, and and the the liquidity providers, the LPs, will be able to um, buy or sell and increase or decrease their stakes quite dynamically. That's at the small end, and then at the higher end, you've got. Um, for example, an energy company that that last year had annualized revenue of sixty billion dollars, so very large, very very large, um, and they're they're looking to do uh, issuances and and secondary markets in in hydrogen, ammonia, ethanol, and a variety of others, all tokenized. Um, pretty pretty exciting stuff. Very different from um, crypt, pure crypto and and what we've seen in the last cycle with DeFi though, and and that's something that. I think is part of the maturing of the crypto space generally is us moving away from these fucking Ponzi nomics where we've just seen, unfortunately, in some ways, some of the worst adverts for, for the technology because it's undermined certain aspects of the credibility. But flip side, we've seen some incredible innovation as well, yet again in this cycle. And, um, and, and the core technology of something like Antelope and EOS is incredibly strong. Um, and in some senses, I would say the last cycle has actually proven that to uh, an industry that was pretty skeptical of EOS um, even even a year and a half ago. Great. So we got a question here from uh, Mark. Um, what, uh, some confirmation when you say a permission antelope chain, that's a separate chain from EOS, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, so a good way to look at this is if you've seen uh, other L2s that have been popping up around the Ethereum scaling side, like um, Polygon and Avalanche, they, they, they come up with their own phrases for it. Subnets, I think, is the one they use for Avalanche, for example. What, what, are, what are they really, though? Well, they're, they're trying to actually solve the issue of how, do we, how the hell do we handle red compliance for assets like securities. Uh, and, and why do you need that? Well, ultimately, you can't have uh, a, a, um, a security market operating in a given way and then turn around and say, oh, it's, um, it's a bit of a pity now because it's been sold off to another jurisdiction where it's completely um, illegal. Um, so ultimately, if you look at it from that perspective, you're going to need to be able to implement certain controls around how tokens move around, for example, that are completely contrary to the nature of public blockchains, which is I am the self, not, not only am I the full self-custodian of it, but I have absolute control over my tokens in my wallet on the EOS blockchain. Nobody can stop me sending 
checks to any one of you or vice versa because they're on a public chain and it is not censored and the bps will will you know generally not be blocking things unless maybe it's something like an absolute fraud or scam and 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 some certain actions are taken to blacklist such as usdt can can often do that type of thing um now subnets are an example of the, the same thing with permissioned antelope chains which is they effectively sit alongside the eos mainnet which is the most highly liquid, highest market cap antelope chain and uh, are, are able to therefore provide something different that you cannot at this current stage do on public chains. Uh, and then examples of that are operate segregated markets that are closed to only specific types of investors that have gone through the standard um, onboarding processes you would expect and, and actually re are required to do. But it goes beyond that because EOS and Antelope is such a um, well-designed protocol, you have things like hierarchical uh, account permissioning and structuring, and you have the ability to manage um, different key permissionings to such an extent that it, it perfectly lends itself towards being able to design um, chains that can handle full red compliance to almost any degree uh, for a given jurisdiction. So. In, in practical terms, we've got a, a very performant um, tech stack here and the ability to obviously interface to EOS and the DeFi system beyond um, in a variety of different ways as well. So we're, we're pretty happy generally with the solution. It's been extremely well received across the board by the industry. Um, and I do think actually just generally the, the rebrand was a good move um, by the EOS Network Foundation and others because there was obviously something of an image problem that we were dealing with a year, year and a half ago, which is slowly, I think, improving. Are you guys still hashing to the EOS network? Well, that's a, that, that will be starting in, in real terms um, with, with the effective launch with first clients, because at this stage, we don't need to, because you know, if, if we, we are starting and restopping the chain, for example, in, until we go live with the first clients, it, it, that is the point uh, where we can no longer um, do anything other than operate the chain to the same standard as, as a public chain regarding, um, uh, obviously, censorship resistance and so on. So you, you, you can't go around and start messing with history, for example, at that point. So the, the ongoing block hash will take place from that moment onwards. We'll be consuming EOS resources, borrowing, ongoing, and, 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 and so on, or leasing, or just, in, in our case, probably just holding and staking um, a load through the power-up model. Uh, but yeah, it, it, for us, that provides us with the immutable censorship-resistant audit trail such that if there's ever a dispute and a client says, listen, you know, for whatever reason, I'm disputing that the history on the Shintai network, uh, we're able to say, fine, well, you can actually audit this through the, the public hashes per block. And we can prove otherwise that this has not been altered. Um, so that's ultimately why it's it's being done. All right, makes a, makes sense. Looking forward to those hashes. Um, so there's been a couple of questions about uh, the tokenomics regarding the checks token. Uh, of course, the check token is also available on EOS. So you guys are using uh, the EOS network uh, to leverage your token. Uh, I imagine it's also on the Chantai chain. Um, but can you explain a bit more about the tokenomics of, of checks at this point? Yeah, I'm getting some background noise. I'm not sure if somebody else needs to go on mute or not. Um, yeah, I'm looking for the culprits, but with 92 people in here, the list is long to, for me to scroll. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, enough. So, so um, I didn't catch fully that because I was slightly distracted by the sound of a child in the background. Um, it was about checks tokenomics. Could you could you say that again? 
Yeah, just general. Uh, if there's more information you can share about check tokenomics, there's been oh, sure. a, a yeah. couple of questions. So let me give you chat. let me give you a, a high level summary of what's coming online, just so people understand. So, so one thing um, to bear in mind about about checks is we we were extremely constrained by what we've been able to do, really talking about it or anything during the license application process. And that's why we've spun out and uh, um, launched a, a different side of the business called Chentai Nexus. And the reason for that is that we need to be able to um, do things with tokens, uh, crypto, DeFi, um, that are not governed and constrained by operating as a licensed entity out of Singapore. So the, now that that's taken place and the Shentai, at least the placeholder for the Shentai Nexus site is launched, that is, is really going to give us um, a, a quite useful um, series of uh, avenues upon which we can really push this forwards. Now, Chex's actual uh, tokenomics is is coming online, and it it links directly to the commercial activity on the network itself. So maybe, maybe I should tell you some things I hate about tokenomics generally elsewhere, and why we designed the the, the network um, token the way we did. I'm sure, not a big fan. I'm, I'm not a big fan of highly inflationary tokens uh, generally. Now, some inflation is, can be fine, but generally I'm not a flat fan of, inf of inflationary tokens where possible because inflation can become a highly lazy way of trying to distribute value, but actually, of course, it offsets it with inflation, which is inherently a, a transfer of value rather than a creation of value. So that's one reason why from the outset we fully distributed the token with a max fixed supply. Um, and even in its earliest form, where it linked to resource usage on, on the EOS network, there was a burn mechanic within there to actually slowly reduce circulating supply. That comes back online with the, the launch of first issuances and secondary activity on the network. What that translates to is, is uh, there will be continuous buy pressure, um, particularly on the primary Bitfinex market where we're listed and have just sorted liquidity out and are about to go for additional listings, that comes online. Um, but what gets more interesting is the fact that the, the network is obviously not just governed by um, the, the underlying issuance and secondary fees. There's, there's commercial uh, revenues that come online too um, that go well beyond that. So th those, those aspects will be um, passing leasing, they will be leasing checks ongoing from the holders of the network um, and, and passing on, on reward for that to, to them. Um, now, that's um, something that we'll be working through in more detail as the network starts to expand out because this is quite a difficult thing to balance correctly so that we don't end up with a scenario where it becomes too expensive for um, the, the clients and or it just doesn't incentivize people to, to stake to the network. Now, there's a variety of other reasons why staking to the network um, or locking to the network is going to add uh, a load of value for Chintai, and we'll come on to that maybe later. But this side of things um, is, is extremely powerful um, for, a, for a range of reasons because we need a highly liquid gateway token to the DeFi system long term in order to uh, potentially realize the true potential of DeFi and how it links to real world assets in our view. Um, so if you look at a core example of this, um, you've, got, uh, you've got basically the need to source liquidity. Um, it is a common problem across pretty much any market 
any asset you will ever find, not not just in the traditional finance system, but particularly in, in crypto and DeFi and digital assets. And um, the ability to dynamically source liquidity uh, from, for example, the EOS network, from EOS holders, and say, listen, if you stake to us, you can lock it up here in a highly secure place. You can you can maybe even still continue voting, right, for your for your favorite uh, BPs as well. So we're not taking that yield away from you either. But you're going to stake it for a longer period of time linked to that, um, that would, such that we can now um, use that as collateral to deepen, say, a carbon market on our network. And this is not just a carbon market that's like a DeFi, you know, fantasy Ponzi-nomic-driven uh, thing. This is a real client paying real-world money, which is selling carbon um, offsets and making money back. And therefore, they're prepared to pay for this liquidity for a highly performant market that can handle higher volume. And in that scenario, obviously, you know, we're able to just go to them rather than having to go out to a bank or State Street or somebody and pay a fortune and try and persuade them to come in. Or maybe they just tell you to piss off because it's too small scale for them. You can go to, you know, EOS holders as an example and say, here's an opportunity for you, a highly secure one where you can actually um, make additional yield and, and you're providing a useful service for the market. Uh, that's the type of future that comes from this. Um, and this is the type of reasons, you know, why, why checks generally um, is, is now a high priority for the network too, because it, it links very in, um, intimately to the, the DeFi facing side of, of the network too. Um, but if there's more specific questions on, on checks, though, I'm happy to field them. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good explanation. Thank you. Um, not seeing anything else too specific well, about... if there's not more on it, let, let me just add actually a couple of things. So um, while I've talked about the fact that there's going to be continuous buy pressure coming from the activity, there's also going to be continuous um, moving into a community uh, fund account for redistribution elsewhere, which partly links to what I was talking about regarding dynamic liquidity sourcing as an example. Um, that, as I mentioned, there will be some modest burn as well. Um, and, and ultimately, those are the core features of the token. Max fixed supply, um, uh, somewhat deflationary, um, and, and operating obviously linked to real-world asset tokenization is, is the driver behind, um, behind it. Further down the line, as the network itself starts to decentralize, then checks may well have other related um, uh, aspects and or alongside another token. But that's very much, you know, to be decided. And it depends what's acceptable or not to global regulators too at that point. All right, great. Thank you for for that answer. 92 people in here. That's awesome. I imagine, uh, imagine a couple of these people are new to the Fireside Chat and they came here uh, to hear you talk about Chintai. So definitely great to have probably you. Check and, uh, <laughs> anytime, anytime you want to come back to the fireside, you got more updates. Uh, we'd love to. We'd love to hear more updates. Stefan, I have a sure. few questions if you don't mind. If that's okay, this is fair. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, full disclosure: uh, I hold checks, uh, and having said that, uh, I have a few questions. One of them is not so much a, a softball. Uh, the first one is, uh, given the fact that sh that Shintai has... Oh, first of all, hello, David, and, and so glad hey to there. see you here. Uh, the first one is, given the fact that you have been tweeting some things that are 
that are clearly pro, excuse me, anti-CDBC, and at the same time, you hold two licenses with the government of Singapore, which is definitely going forward with a uh, at least a retail uh, uh, central bank digital currency. How do you resolve uh, resolve that? And then I have a few other questions. If you'd like to, sure. Yeah. So actually, um, the the finance minister in Singapore came out saying they don't see any reason for a CBDC that's retail facing. It's the other way around. I think it's for the 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 um, wholesale or finance side, um, as in um, institutional side, that they're focusing on. They've ruled it out uh, as not being required um, in their view and not justifiable at this stage. Uh, But as to why I'm um, anti-central bank digital currencies, uh, it really comes down to what, what are they really looking to achieve with this. And for me, even if you can justify the potential uh, upsides related to efficiencies, I actually think that the the uh, fiat uh, electronic money systems, such as they are, are relatively efficient for end users already, such as um, retail. I think their ability, as we've seen, for example, in the Canadian trucker protests, their ability to freeze people's accounts on a whim is already pretty high. Right? They, they don't seem to actually have much ability, many problems sanctioning money. So really, what, what's driving this? Well, the, the, the suspicious um, side of me says that it would certainly put a hell of a lot of additional uh, power in the hands of uh, central banks and certain uh, parts of government that could then abuse that to levels that I think could be very potentially dangerous for democracies. So that's why I'm against it. It's, for me, a fundamental misuse of the technology, which we've effectively is a collective created in the form of blockchain technology. Now, that's not to say that um, you, it couldn't add more efficiencies, but it would need to be in a way where the control or the, the management of the money supply would have to be extremely transparent in a way that um, people collectively understood, could see and understand, and not that it was applied on a whim based upon, say, a vested political interest. So we're getting on a bit of a you know, sidetrack here, but ideologically, that's why I'm very uncomfortable with C- CBDCs. I don't think they are needed um, at all, and and I think that therefore this enthusiasm more comes down to the ability to increase uh, state surveillance over citizens and potentially to be able to, uh, you know, uh, effectively stamp out their ability to transact value freely. And I I think something that you know you look back about cash, people may not like cash, and may, we we love to talk down fear, but if you look at paper notes. One thing you can't do is censor their ability to be used um, freely. And if you think about where oppression takes place globally, cash has been an absolute lifesaver for many. So uh, going back to it, it's not really at odds, though, with with the jurisdictions we necessarily operate within, because uh, generally we're not going to be using CBDCs, and there's only so much we can and can't do. So, yeah, if, if, if for, for, for example, sake, Singapore did deploy a central bank digital currency and mandate that we we use it, well, ultimately, everybody else is going to have to in that scenario too. And that becomes more of a political matter for the people and governments in a given jurisdiction to decide amongst themselves. doesn't mean I have to personally approve of it. Um, but it's also, you have to be realistic about what you can and can't do. Uh, and and uh, you know, as a company, our mission is to enable uh, real-world asset tokenization and, and the ability for as many people as possible to be their own issuers and market operators and exchanges of value, whatever that might be, from NFTs right through to 
you know, bonds and real estate and so on. Um, it is not to sit there, unfortunately, and fight every battle related to to the politics and other things that sit alongside this, um, generally. I'm super glad to hear that answer, and I share that, that sentiment 100%, so thank you for that. The next question has to do with what could be perceived as the largest publicly announced, well, on Telegram. Let me ask you this, David. Is is uh, is it fair to ask you about things that, that are on unofficial Telegram that you that you've yeah you, you can ask away. I mean, listen, if if I can't answer something, I'll just tell you. Don't worry. Okay, so you've made public uh, a deal with Sovereign Nation, right? Uh, can I go forward with that? Yep. Okay. Yep. You can talk about Middle Eastern one you're talking about. Yep. Uh, Middle Eastern one. Like we can't be more specific than that. Well, you can. It's UAE government backed. That's not the same okay. as the UAE government, but it's it's a company that's UAE government backed. But then, if you operate in the Middle East, that's how the entire business, you know, is done. It's it's whether or not there's approval from government or not. Generally, with regards to whatever projects are going to take place or not. Okay, so you're you're working with a with a uh, the UAE government backed company, which is issuing, and you're you're helping them. You're assisting them issue a bond deal. And many people recognize uh, bonds as a building block, so to speak, of a central bank. Is there any context that you can give us to the intentions of that deal? And are there any other sovereign nations that are in the pipeline or in any way considering what you're doing? Um, there's a lot of interest in the bond side of things because you know, the bond industry and bond markets globally are just so large. You know, they dwarf, I think, pretty much all the others combined apart from derivatives. So the the there is a lot of interest in seeing this um, issuance take place, distribute successfully and so on. And, and that is something we've seen across the board, whether it's from the largest global asset managers down to many much smaller ones is, yeah, we're really interested in this technology. We're fully on board. We need to do something in it. But what we're waiting for is to see a bit more evidence of it meaningfully taking place to kind of show us the way. In other words, most of the industry is followers, not leaders or innovators. They, they just want to be sure it's going to work properly and so on before they start to um, commit more resources into it. So that's the, I would say, the main delaying factor with real world asset tokenization at present. That and the fact that the likes of FTX did a fantastic job of um, putting everybody off doing much for the next six months. So uh, thanks, Sam, you twat. Um, so, in terms of um, then your question related to what it is, it's not. It's it, it, this particular bond is for the funding out of a a project in the region for something to be constructed. Without going into more specifics, so that's what the bond is being utilised for. You, it's it's not a government bond. It's a corporate bond uh, in effect for for a uh, project, a debenture, if you like. Now, um, there are lots of other types of potential uh, bonds that we are talking to a variety of different clients about. But one thing we're noticing across the board is that, that there is a lot of industry uh, in interest across many different sectors and in industries, and some of them then cross into things like bonds again as well. Um, but uh, no, we're not talking to any other um, sovereign nations at this stage, uh, uh, you know, about... about uh, let me be clear. We haven't got a government as a client at this stage. So this is not a sovereign bond um, that, that we're talking about. It's, it's corporate. And we're not currently talking to any 
um, sovereign nations about things like that at this stage. I would imagine most of them would want, that are even thinking about that would want to do it in in uh, in a more institutional level way, where they are. You know, it would probably be via the, their own central banks or the or via their own. Uh, banks that they have at home. So the UK, for example, I would expect them to be using the likes of Barclays and HSBC and other UK-related banks. They probably want to do that under the comfort blanket of that rather than some some upstart like us. Would you? Would you? Do you still consider it? If it was to launch today, would you say that it would be the largest digital token to date? Yeah, I think it would be the largest real-world asset tokenization deal that, that's taken place globally. Um, if it, you know, if it were to take place today, I haven't seen anything larger than that. Although it's not our largest client now, um, so as of, as of this week, we've we've secured a larger client than that. Okay. Uh, well, so if I was to give you a, a, I mean, this is this is not being um, by any means accurate or something I want to be held to as a figure. But if I was to estimate. The total real-world asset deal flow issuance size, say, over the next 12 months from launch, over the 12 months, based on what I'm seeing with the client size, it's going to be somewhere between 250 million USD and up to a billion, if I was to guess right now, based upon where we're at. So that obviously is fairly substantial. Um, and this is why looking ahead at things like liquidity, and it's not just about issuance. It's not just about deploying a secondary market. They have to be performance secondary markets, and the distribution has to be successful, and you have to have the right buyers and sellers in for these things to operate properly. So there's a lot of dependencies on external parties and, and the wider TradFi system that kind of has to go hand in hand with, with some of the growth of this area. And this is where Real-world assets generally are in something of a chicken and egg place where the tech is finally maturing with permission chain, you know, uh, solutions of this type of nature. But yeah, we're all now going to have to show that not only can this be done technically, it can be done in a way that's competitive. So, well, I, I I couldn't I couldn't let you go without at least asking you the next the next question. Otherwise, I'll get roasted on Telegram. And you can't answer this this question with soon. When launch and list in listings? Yeah. So um, the, the the first two clients that we're um, actively working with right now, um, they're talking about issuances in May and June to give you a, an idea of time frame. So we are close. We're ready, as I think I mentioned earlier. Um, we're really just working with them now that, because. One thing about building the infrastructure is that you're still reliant on on the actual um, end users, the, the the issuers, to actually then drive out the first activity that fuels everything else. So that that's the current time frame. Uh, and by the way, one thing that um, I would have said, you know, for example, the the one we've just been talking about, um, they their initial plan was we would like to go live as early as sort of October last year, and then FDX happened. <laughs> <laughs> and they went. Actually, let's hold off a little bit, and uh, and that's something we saw across the board. We opened, uh, we we've opened an investment round as well, a pre A round, and uh, yeah, you know, a lot of really positive discussions got put back and delayed off the back of what was unfolding with with FTX and others. So um, it, it's not been helpful for e even a regulated business like us um, generally. Launch or listings first or simultaneous. It's simultaneous. Thanks, David.
I appreciate it. Thank you sure. very much. No problem. Thanks for Stephane. asking some uh, some great questions, Perry. That was great, and, and and thanks, David, for those great answers as well. A pleasure. Any um anyone else want to jump in? Ask some uh, some Chintai questions. Give it a last call here. Lewis has a question here. Um, would checks slash Chintai allow a token to represent dividends of short-term real estate profit splitting? Could, could we tokenize that or, or was that specifically related to checks? Sorry. No, exactly. Like it does your platform. Could, could you guys tokenize that? Exactly. I think, yeah, ultimately, if, if you're talking about the ability to pass back uh, things like dividends, is that, is that what the question is? Yes, I think so. Okay, fine. So as an example, yeah, we, we have a real estate, well, we have several real estate clients, but, but the one in particular, um, the, the fractionalization of them, they want to be able to then pass back uh, rental yields to the holders, the token holders. So in a scenario like mechanism for, for yield, for rental income in, in that particular case. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all core functionality that the, the network has been built out to handle put on, on an asset class by asset class basis. So a core thing, for example, that goes hand in hand with issuing a security like, um, like uh, uh, a company stock, for example, would be that it has to handle things like dividends and forced buybacks if you're retiring a market. So all of those types of permissions are handled and they need to be because we're regulated, and so we need to be able to handle the breadth of functionality you get in in conventional markets too. We're regulated to exactly the same standards. So you know, talking about a um, you know uh, an audit that took place you know recently for EOS, for example, we're on our um, I think third audit in the last twelve months, second internal, high degrees of penetration testing going on. You know, it, it, we have to operate to almost bank level sides, which is is obviously great for the end users. It's expensive for us at this, this stage on the flip side. Um, but uh, yeah, a necessary evil. But but yes, to answer that question, we can handle and, and are building out that level of functionality for um, any and all asset classes that require it. Generally, one thing just to observe is that with the, the nice thing about digitization of real world assets is that in most cases, they have a lot of commonalities that don't sit outside of that kind of vanilla functionality we built out already. So as an example, if you've got a carbon token uh, or an ammonia or an ethanol or a hydrogen token, how do they di really differ from the systematic level? And the answer is not a great deal, actually, um, which is obviously um, useful for us because it means we get to handle more asset classes with relatively minimal additional uh, build required for something quite client-specific, for example. I've got another question, if that's okay, Stefan. Of course, get in there, Perry. Uh, you mentioned uh, 
David, you mentioned, uh, and I didn't quite catch the, the, the full context of it, but that something to the effect that the clients, you didn't want the clients to be spending too much money on the checks with, with such a concentrated uh, token holding community. Uh, no well, longer, so let, yeah. go ahead. let me just go ahead. clarify that. The, the, the tokenomics are designed to insulate um, the other side from needing to interact with tokens full stop. So this is going to be systematically encoded in the smart contracts of the network over time. The point I'm making is until we understand how they balance out as we start to scale up, we, can't, we, we don't want to encode specific values related to every – let me give you an example. You've got a, a market. Let's say we balanced it on a real estate market and said, right, all, all ongoing fee um, percentages are based upon this successfully deployed real estate market. Great, and it does this amount of volume, which is relatively low but quite high value. And then we deploy a load of securities markets that are incredibly high volume but low value transactions for, for whatever reason. Totally would break the resource model at that moment because it wasn't configured and balanced for that type of asset. Right. So so this is why we have to spend some time seeing how the markets develop out, how the activity develops out. Um, and, and at that point, we'll be able to encode it. Until that time, it's very much at our discretion to adjust it um, based upon how things go. Uh, and and to, to the point, therefore, um, it's not going to become too expensive for the end users because they're going to be charged a fixed rate that, that gives them that transparency related to that. And it will just get passed on to the um, through the mechanisms I've already discussed regarding checks utility as it comes online. Okay, so, so right out the gate, you're going to have a, a peg, so to speak, between checks token and what what kind of consumption of utility can be had on the on the platform. But then over time, you're saying you're going to relax that peg and let the the free market take over. Yeah, once we've actually got a handle on this, it, it becomes encoded and publicly transparently publicized out. Uh, and the advantage of that, too, will be that if you're a large user on the network, you'll just simply be able to buy and lease and state checks so that it's completely costless for you to operate on the network in theory, right? Or, in, or indeed, you can just simply say, well, actually, I, I'm, you know, I, I can make yield off it instead, which is probably the average user uh, or, or average holder. But that's you know, a ways out. So you know, in the meantime, that's, that's not suitable for the stage the network is at. In the same way, the network is not suitably at the right stage yet to fully decentralize it. I'm an American citizen, and following on the Telegram chat, I well, you should you shouldn't be a checks holder then, should you? Because let, let, let me let me be clear: when we did that distribution, China and uh, and US are excluded. So you you've been naughty buying it, haven't you? <laughs> but I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it directly from you. I I got well, there we go. That's all right then. Uh, you know, it's outside my control bill on that then. But uh, it does illustrate the point I'm making regarding why we've gone for a permission chain. Because let's say. Um, that was a security, which this is not. This is a utility token. But in that scenario, you have a problem where you've instantly been breaching the whole point of the KYC process and, and whatever restrictions you need to put on, on that market. It gets breached the second it hits a public chain because you can't stop somebody launching a secondary market like Nudex and DeFi Box did to, to deploy out. And uh, yeah. So anyway, carry on. Sorry, you were asking a question. Well, uh, my question has to do with uh, the ability for somebody to set up a, a tokenization of an asset, let's say a piece of real estate, 
uh, doesn't have to be in the, the U.S. Say it's in a different country. Uh, I happen to be, to be in Costa Rica at the moment. Let's say I wanted to tokenize a piece of real estate here in Costa Rica. Uh, would, I, would I be able to do that, not as a holder of, of checks, but as a client of the platform? Could I go on as a, as a client of the platform and create yeah. this? So, so this that. is how, yeah, ultimately um, you, you, you could effectively apply uh, as a client to, to become a, uh, an issuer. Exactly right. And provided you pass the onboarding process, you, you get issued with, um, you, you get set up with an issuer um, level account that can therefore um, go into the, the test sandbox, um, com commence test issuances, deploying of secondaries, configuring them any way you, them, they might wish. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than that because you're doing something like real estate, you're going to need to work out the legal structure and what physically owns the real estate because it's not going to be most likely the actual real estate. It's probably going to be something like a, uh, a, a variable capital company, a VCC, or, a, or an SPV of some sort that holds the real estate, and that's probably more likely what's being tokenized at this stage um, in the real estate industry we're typically seeing. But yeah, absolutely. Um, we, that's why I mentioned we've got some smaller companies who are, you know, very often at the entrepreneur type stage, and and that's what they're doing. They they're in, they're actually using us as their their entire blockchain solution and it's a white label version of that there are most of our clients are going to be white labeling this to their end clients they're going to be logging in to a portal and a platform that's branded with the, with all of the you know everything and under the under the surface is the shintai network operating for them with that so that's you know why this scales up relatively fast we're we're effectively a saas business um, above all else so, that, so you've built it so that it makes sense for a small operator, not only as a white label uh, operator, but actually as a, just, a, a, just a regular client, a small client has, um, you know, whatever size piece of property. Is it, is it that reasonably priced or do you have to have like, you know, I don't know how big a piece of property. I mean, there's certain fixed costs related to onboarding that are going to, Put off a retail level investor, and, and right now, you know, for anything regulated, we can't service retail yet. Anyway, um, to be clear, but but no, I mean, it, there's nothing to stop somebody either with, who who has um, formed some sort of small company and or is a high net worth or accredited to be able to get off and, and do things for sure. In theory, now um, related costs to that depend entirely what they're trying to do. I I go back to what I was saying before though, which is it doesn't matter about whether or not someone wants to issue real estate. As an example, uh, they, there needs to be a network and an ecosystem in place to have buyers um, for that, to, for a distribution and, and an issuance to be successful. And then uh, there needs to be the right buyers and sellers available on the network and, and interconnected such that you then get the network effects and an ability to have a liquid secondary market that, that's performant. Right? Without that, it just becomes like a lot of the real-world asset tokenization that's taking place on a variety of platforms to date. Which is when you delve under the hood, there's zero, there's zero liquidity or very low, and almost zero volume, and a load of pissed off issuers looking to actually move off it because it's been a fail for them. So that's why um, I, I keep going on about the, the need for liquidity, the need for pulling in partnerships with with uh, TradFi and so on as well, because we can't service you know deal flow dynamically from smaller people like that. 
until such time as, for example, we've got one or more clients who've got, say, an open real estate market they're operating where you could maybe list on them, right? Rather than you having to do the secondary yourself, you're just going to go through another client that's actually specializes in that rather than, you know, it being your problem per se. But you could. That's the key point. You might decide, actually, this is going to be the first of a multitude of ongoing issuances. I, I, I have the, the, the investment um, deal flow myself. I'm simply just going to get them to onboard through the network um, and, and build this out as a business and see where it goes. Which case, you know, that's where we've got the types of clients doing that and, and uh, wide labeling. The, the theme that I'm hearing that's getting my attention is how you have bridged these worlds, the TradFi, with the, the need for the liquidity in the wild in checks. Uh, this this seemed. Am I wrong? Is is this something that you guys are moving kind of ahead of the pack with? Is or, and well, I'm, I'm, like I'm certainly looking ahead. If that's what you mean, I mean ultimately, it's um, it, it's very difficult to know quite how this will all start to develop out. This is why, though, I I want to be able to interface the DeFi because it seems a huge waste to me to have. Uh, this system that is just completely segregated off from the real-world asset tokenization side. And so I'm always work, walking a tightrope between these two worlds and saying, well, you know, how, how do we actually make the best of some of this, this incredible innovation on this side without pissing off the regulators or others um, and making, putting a target on our back? And, and, and at the same time, how, how do we actually do something that's competitive and going to incentivize liquidity without being just totally uncompetitive versus, well, put it this way, we couldn't compete against 20% yield annually on Anchor, as a good example. I remember saying to our community back then, the real world rates on this could be maybe 4%. And, and I was laughed at as, a, well, why would anybody want to put down and only get 4% yield? And I said, well, that's probably, you know, it might be higher than that. But the point is, these are real world generated um, yield figures, and they're based on what people are prepared to pay. They're not based upon inflation and ponzinomics and so you know if that's why it that type of thing from DeFi was very unhealthy because you can't compete with 100% or 1000% APR not not in the real world that you know and and but then they're not sustainable and they collapse with regularity too uh, but yes we are looking ahead at all of this on that basis that we we need to be able to provide an ecosystem that supports um, clients who who can bring everything to the table but also smaller um, entrepreneurs and others who who are going to need everything provided for them, as it were, um, and and that's something that slowly builds up through network effects over time. Yeah, it's it seems it, I'm starting to get a picture of why the to the checks token is actually important. It was difficult to understand. You know, you've got you. Well, I'm not surprised we've not been able to talk about it either for for the last two years. So. <laughs> It's a bit torturous. Yeah, it's been a bit torturous. Well, no, it has, and it, and it has for us as well. Um, and then it's illiquidity. The illiquidity of it was a great demonstration of what I'm talking about, which is that we were so capital constrained back in its early days, we, we never thought we, we, we just weren't thinking about liquidity ourselves because we weren't operating a checks market. But it's become increasingly apparent that this thing can't scale up upwards without uh, a massive injection of liquidity, which is, has now been resolved, um, at least on, as an upside, on the Bitfinex exchange, such that 
any price uh, increases now will be able to be held to incredibly high volumes without uh, it being an issue. And that was important because now we, we can handle hundreds of thousands, millions, and in theory, billions of dollars of daily volume through the token without it breaking, right, where, where, whereby the price is shooting up and down by 50% or something off relatively small amounts. Um, that's one of the greatest single strengths of the EOS network is that liquidity of the token, which is outstanding, along with its high number of, um, of, of listings. Right, that is probably neglected generally by the community. They don't appreciate how much of an asset that is for EOS. Aside from the technology and aside from the community and, and the, the momentum it's got right now with the EVM, it has an incredibly liquid token as well as a gateway to enable easy transactions and interfacing with things like Ethereum and beyond. So, yeah, I just mention it because I'm, I, you know, that that is a huge asset for EOS. And the, the two bridges that you I have a you question built. too. Oh, if go ahead. Perry is done hijacking the AI. Yeah. I think Perry will never be done. So I think you should just. Oh, yeah, Perry here. will never stop. So why don't, why don't we put yeah. a cork on him? Was, <laughs> was, That's just fine. I was politely <laughs> waiting for around 20 minutes. So, hi, David. Uh, it's great to have you here in the fireside chat. You know, um, come for the chat, uh, stay for the EOS drama. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm always here for the EOS drama. Don't, don't worry, EOS popcorn day. Shout out for those who remember. Yeah, the EOS popcorn. Anyway, it's great to have you here. Um, I have a question, and it is uh, pertaining the checks token. Now with the with the EVM uh, around the corner, do you guys have any plans to deploying uh, the checks token on some EVM chains or some liquidity on, let's say, like Uniswap? Do, do you have plans on that? Anything that you can um, you can tell us? Yeah, maybe so, maybe you can't. Yeah, no problem. So. A couple of things. Uh, we've already bridged to Ethereum for checks, and it is actually, I think, listed in a highly illiquid form on, on Uniswap, if memory serves. Um, so um, I should probably clarify about bridging generally, which is that right now we're not even trying to embrace the decentralized bridges and the trustless bridges because of security concerns generally across the board. So I'll be watching this with great interest. But at this stage, we are, are paying for an institutional grade insurance uh, with, with 100 mil of insurance per on the transactions um, through the form of BitGo for our, uh, our ongoing interchain bridging. The advantage of that means, though, that um, we can bridge to over 30 different protocols um, from day one, um, which is pretty powerful as required for our clients. Um, but yes, we, we are going to be pushing ahead with um, additional listings on, on other protocols in theory as well over time. I'm more concerned, actually, I'm more interested in leveraging the EVM over time in some, some ways, because if, if Ethereum can find ways for, uh, or EOS can, of, of bringing on board some of the, uh, the best of the, EOS, the Ethereum DeFi space, what they can do is they can operate most of the, most aspects of their business, maybe as they have been, but in, with far greater performance and efficiency and cost on EOS. And then they've got the option within the Antelope ecosystem of being able to do regulated stuff through us and bridging between the two in, in controlled ways such that they can expand their businesses out and do other things that are where they're currently constrained. This is where this stuff gets really interesting, right? You start to look beyond the simple boundaries of a given network and, and, and you realize that actually a combination of creativity, momentum, network effects 
can lead to a variety of things that could could benefit all sides. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very happy with the the EVM innovation that's coming. I think it was sorely needed for EOS, and it was a waste of its potential as a pr- protocol to have not happened sooner. But but you know that was a very much a a problem the community had that it's now resolved. I think so. Yeah. No, that's great, and and I'm I'm sure you I'm sure you guys find a very interesting ways to use that EVM capabilities for the operation of Chintai. And uh, possibly not. I mean, yeah. to, just to be clear, I, I I don't think the EVM itself is is um, is is really able to outperform per se anything on on an antelope a well coded antelope protocol. So it's not really about that. It's about looking at that vast network effects and value of the Ethereum ecosystem and, and giving them a, a ability to move their code base and, and effectively migrate to a, a scaling solution. Um, and then, then at that not point... For, not, for offer, yeah, not for operating the, the, the chain, the Chintai protocol, but to if, if the clients that you're working with now have uh, an option to have those real-world assets uh, also tradable on, on EVM chains, that's a very strong selling point. That's what I would say. Well, it is, but this goes back to the problem I, I mentioned before, which is real-world assets generally are regulated, and therefore they don't lend themselves well to trading on public uh, chains because public chains are immutable and censorship-resistant and have no control over the wallet holders. As it, the, the, they are, by the way, not designed for, that's inherent features of them. What, that's really what differentiates, above all else, public chains from private. Most, mostly, it's that. Um, and it's an incredible strength. But the problem is then when you've got, you know, as I mentioned, like a real estate token is a good example of this. If we move it onto a, you know, an EVM chain on EOS, unless the BPs are going to start selectively censoring, which I don't think they will do, um, or if they are, maybe we'll start to push 42 <laughs> back into the mix to ca- campaign against it. But I don't think they would ever censor the, these things. But that would obviously be a, um, the only way that they can actually operate in a red compliant way, or the BPs paint a target on their back for enabling um, uh, security to be being traded on a, on a, on a network. And, and obviously, if people think to themselves, well, who cares what, what the uh, authorities think? This is a decentralized chain. What the authorities typically do is they go after the figureheads of, of these projects, which is why, for example, we saw s- stock tokens operating on the Terra network. We saw uh, a lending protocol and a saving protocol on that, on that network. Effectively, they were trying to build out a full decentralized finance alternative to the real-world system. And in some senses, it was looking pretty damn good at its peak. But who have they really gone after to send a message? Well, the guys at the very top. Um, and that's ultimately how they try to exert control over decentralized networks. They, they pick those people to send a message to the rest. And so, you know, that's why, as I say, um, I can't see the EVM being able to service legally real-world assets. That's not to say some people might not do it, but I, that over a certain size is most likely going to attract attention from certain authorities who will then come down on individuals. That would be my guess. And this is why we all collectively ought to be just generally a bit cautious as to how we do things. Try and fit within the, the general rules of a given jurisdiction and not for, you know, fragrantly stick two fingers up at them and, and, and tell them to go and take a hike. Because that approach generally, history has shown, uh, doesn't, doesn't work out well for the people that do that. Yeah, no, that, that, that sounds, 
sounds logical. And I guess my last question would be, uh, if you if you guys do plan to um, utilize now the, uh, the EVM bridge for for the token, uh, are you guys planning on like deploying liquidity by yourself or launching some kind of a um, token holder program where whereby they you know they provide liquidity and they can get uh, you know some some kind of a uh, rewards for that, or yeah, that, so that's pretty much the dynamic of what's inside. I'm talking about for sure, yeah. And EOS is the logical starting place for us for that because we've got such close ties with the community and the network anyway, and, and it's compatible, so yeah. I mean, that that's kind of in the pipeline as well. Um, and it's beneficial for EOS holders too, that so it's going to be a win for multiple, um, on multiple sides in that regard, and it, it should enrich both ecosystems, is, is my general take on it as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, oh, thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. I, uh, I, I leave it to the room now. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Hernan. Great questions. All right. We're going to wrap it up here uh, with David. One last question. If someone wants to, wants to close us off, I'll let someone else ask a question, and then we're going to move on to the other topics of the day. Got some eating elections to talk about. We're almost already at two hours. So. Yeah, well, I did warn you up front that I, I can talk like a mofo so you, you know did, I, I, you I did, did indeed warn us and i did say <laughs> just go for it definitely no and it's been great i've enjoyed the conversation a lot uh zach here in the chat says that he's really enjoying this conversation too and i'm sure many others have so uh no th- this has been this has been awesome and i hope you uh hope you come back soon with some more some more updates yeah well well, well next time we can talk eos scandals and juicy politics instead and we'll stay away from chats <laughs> We've talked a lot about that, and it's kind of refreshing to talk about uh, talk about or something else. Yeah, well, exactly. See, this for me, as a final closing remark, actually reflect, reflects the state of the ecosystem, which is if if your top focus is petty internal politics and and things like that, disputes are of that nature, rather than the technology growing the community, put, pushing adoption trying to maybe do things like find useful solutions that can solve real-world problems in a variety of different ways. That, that's a sign the community is moving beyond, finally, some of the baggage of the past to, towards growth in the future and, and so on, and, and finding a really strong place, hopefully, in the, in the wider crypto ecosystem. So I think it's a good sign, generally, that we're, ha- we're sitting here having conversations like this now, as opposed to maybe what we would have a year, year and a half ago. Totally. A lot more enjoyable as well for everyone involved, I'm sure. Well, this is why I wasn't right. in the conversation a year and a half ago. I thought I'd stay out of all that thing. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't, can't blame you. Uh, can't blame you for that. Well, all right, cool. Well, thanks, thanks a lot again for, for joining us. And I'm going to give you a nice round of applause. Give you a couple air horns for the big clients you're signing with Chintai. And uh, yeah, we're going to welcome you back anytime you want. All right. Uh, so, all right. Moving on to some Eden news. Um, there was an election last weekend or this week or last Saturday. And uh, I know we've got a couple people in here. We've got Lenny, new chief chief delegate in the house with us today. I think he, he's uh, going to be able to give us to talk a bit about his experience. And uh, but before we get to that, I just want to kind of go over some quick stats on the election, let me find my notes here. Um, yeah, 56 people showed up and voted. 
Uh, round one, we had 15 official winners. There was one room that didn't reach consensus, but seemed like that was just a technical issue. I'm not sure if it was user side or platform side, um, but should sh they wanted to reach cons consensus at the very end, but couldn't get it registered on the blockchain. Uh, but other than that, we have uh, 15 layer one delegates. I'm going to quickly uh, name them out here. We've got Lenny Nitt, Brian Tse, Adam Ziantarski, Daniel Keys, Dan Singjoy, Jesse Jaffe, Marco Gonzalez, Chris Barnes, Duane Philippi, Gabriel Shaw, Mohamed Sanchez, Chase Eskam, Leonard Lahestik, Nicola, and Sebastian Bayer. Well, congratulations to all of the level one delegates. Uh, Patrick should have been in there. Patrick Nova Crypto, Pat Nova Joy, our favorite hype man on the EOS Fireside, should have uh, gotten in there. Apparently, their room did reach consensus at the very last minute, uh, but they weren't able to register it on the blockchain, which is uh, unfortunate. Um, and then round two completed. There was uh, no consensus in, in one of the groups. Uh, and then the two other groups, we had Lenny and Mohamed, uh, a.k.a. Modi, Modi ZS here on the far side. And so congratulations to our new uh, head chief uh, delegates. At this point, I'm just going to hand it over to you, Lenny, if you want to jump on the stage here and share a few words. We can see that you've unmuted your mic, but we cannot hear you. Little. If ever you guys want to test your mics before the show starts, we are, we're always in here. Dave's already, always in here like 15 minutes before the show. So we, we invite you guys to come in here, test your mic real quick. If you plan on talking, sometimes there's some issues with, uh, with Discord. Um, while Lenny is trying to fix his mic, maybe you can reboot. Um, bottom left of the discord screen you get a mic icon you can right click that choose your input maybe um let's see is mo with us as well right now i'm not yeah he he wasn't sure if he could join us today fortunately but i'm sure we'll hear from him in a future fireside he's usually out here um if not then i guess i'll open it up to anyone who won a uh, level one i see a couple of you are in here if you guys want to jump on stage share a few words uh, we'd love to hear from you guys Delegates going once, going twice. Hey everyone, this is Dancing Joy. Uh, I just wanted to say that it was a great election. Um, and also, of course, thanks to the people who voted for me in the room. But yeah, as always, um, it was a great time. Really enjoyed it. And congratulations to Mo and Lenny. Really excited about it. Um, I think Lovejoy shared the video, and I think Patrick's going to be posting it on the Eden Elections channel. Um, and I might also post on the Eden Creators YouTube channel as well, so people can watch it. There's also like a six-hour discussion too, so 
it was a great experience and we learned a lot and um yeah just wanted to say thanks and also thanks for the great discussion so far too this has been fascinating and i'm stoked about everything that everybody's doing in the community thanks stefan all right thanks thanks dogman for jumping in and congrats on being a level one delegate of course happy to we, thank you we had jesse i see jesse's in here not sure if he wants to jump on i just want to congratulate lenny uh, jesse on yet another win in the Eden hey, yeah. hey guys hey, yeah jesse. i can jump on real quick um thank you for the the b sounds it kind of sounds like insect too but it's good every it's time you talk you're gonna hear this in the background now <laughs> So the election was um, was very interesting. There was two chief delegates that um, were elected, which is the smallest we've ever had. So this is the most going to be the most centralized term, which I'm actually grateful for, um, especially because uh, Mo is one of the chief delegates who has a project that I think Eden should really like lean into which is the reputation system. Um, him and his partner, Sajit, are building a system where um, we can um, distribute non-transferable NFTs for certain actions in the community. And their system's pretty comprehensive. And what I worked on in term four was the beginnings of that system. So the, the foundation of a reputation system is getting civil checked and that, that was successful, again, um, on this election. Everyone who voted got a non-transferable NFT. And we want to formalize the achievements in Eden. And the vision there, at least for me, is Eden is a place where you come and you build your reputation. And because of the interoperability of blockchain, um, you can leverage that reputation elsewhere in the EOS ecosystem and eventually the Antelope ecosystem. So um, I really, I really like this. I, I totally supported Mo, and I'll be working closely with him and Sajit to get some, get some more um, like um, acknowledgments under our belt. So um, Lovejoy has this uh, Space Monkey NFT uh, that um, NTT, or he has an image that we want to turn into an NTT um, that we're going to distribute to all of the election one participants. So like an Eden OG um, NTT, for example. And then we also want to distribute NTTs to all past chief delegates and L1s. So eventually the, um, the, the vision of Mo and Sajit's system is some sort of um, reputation score, which seems um, quite complicated to me. But um, eventually, perhaps, um, we can assign a point value for these different NFTs and assign some sort of score so we can have a cool like leaderboard type um, vibe in the Eden community. And uh, yeah. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is that um, what was very disappointing about the election was, um, well, the reason why there was uh, two CDs and not three, it was because of a, like a platform side problem. And we should not be having these platform side problems. So a little history on this is that this is the second election in, the in a row where we have um, the platform essentially has blocked a CD that wanted that 
the room found consensus. They weren't able to go on. And what we thought was the, the culprit of this issue um, was the fact that perhaps people were uploading their videos um, during round one, which would cause round two UI to not work. Well, we, um, the, the Term 5 CDs commissioned the Adenia team to um, fix that, and it was working. You couldn't, um, from what I understand, you couldn't upload a video um, during round one, but the issue persisted. And so um, this is a super critical issue that has, um, I believe, the, the, the CDs, this term, and the community at large has consensus that this is the most critical issue to be solved in Eden. We have some um, good leads on what to do, and I am very confident, and I will um, abilities to make sure that during the next election, everyone's going to be able to vote. And so, for example, one of the ideas is just to have like a backup UI. And, and blocks is just not intuitive enough. So a more intuitive UI than blocks. Because the thing is, is that the, the UI is not directly um, interfacing the EOS, the native EOS chain. There's a micro chain in between, and it's overly complex, and it doesn't have to be like that. So we should build a backup UI, for example, that um, there's going to be um, no issues if we have this. So something, and there's other ideas too. But that's just kind of what I'm thinking a few days after the election here. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Jesse. And thanks for um, bringing some context uh, to those uh, some of the issues that were experienced uh, on Saturday. Extremely, extremely annoying to have these issues happening for sure. Hopefully that gets all uh, ironed out by, uh, by the next election. Wonder if you guys can hear me now. Yes, Lenny, you are live on the fireside. I always end up with technical problems, and I call myself someone technically savvy. But okay, forget about that for now. Uh, <laughs> I've had some net problems and other things. Anyway, thanks. I think people have said most of what I need to say. And may I return to our previous speaker? I mean, all the way back to the... Uh, checks and similar and I must say I appreciate that very much his words and particularly the ending part and it changed a little bit what I wanted to start talking about because we are I mean you've heard about the issues and similarly so me and Mo ended up now two people only we already have spent about four or five hours uh, face to face online and uh, working away and 100 uh, percent consensus on everything isn't that right because we, otherwise we can't achieve anything that is common work so to say so that is something sweet and nice and one very interesting aspect is that although we are only two both of us have very similar vision so to say regarding what needs to be done and like jesse mentioned Priority number one is election, and it's a number of issues, and uh, that's something we've already been, uh, let's first say this too. Uh, we're not, I'm not uh, giving any details, I'm only giving an outline now, because we've only had a few days, and we are canvassing a little bit, different people, different things, 
And by next week, we should be able to bring forward how we plan to go ahead and move forward. So uh, the thing is, by next election, and like Jesse say, the elections should be running like hot knives through butter. It's going to be smooth like anything. And that's the game, and that's the, and we'll have a separate group, most likely responsible for that, starting next week already. Uh, that's our thoughts. We have a number of different things. So election process, that's the one number one priority overall, overrides everything else, because we're still an experiment, and that's why we have to iron these out. And we have things underway, different work that's been done, and some of them proven very good. So we see how it will end up on it. And then it's not only about the election process during that election day. It's also making sure that members and people are really aware of how does it work? What are the rules for the elections? And then you come into the bylaws and all these kind of things. And that is also another of priorities we have, as well as engaging the membership. Because we do have a lot of members that came in and kind of drifted away and not happy with what was happening and so. And I, I feel and I have pushed at times that we do not engage the members. I mean, people have sought up Eden because they believe in something, most likely, most of them. They believe something. They want to take part. It could be passive, but they still want to take part. But the problem is, if you don't engage them, they'll drift off again. So, you know, we got to fix that and make sure we pick up the nuggets. Those people who do join us and have joined us, pick up the nuggets that's willing to put in some time and similarly synchronize the whole thing. And the last five terms, including also previous trial, trial runs we had, uh, election-wise, number of what should I say? Number of projects have started. There's a number of very good apps. There's a number of good experiences. And what me and Mo totally aligned with is we got to now use these resources and these individuals, peoples, and put together so that we can, so to say, work in a consorted effort to bring these elections, bring engagement bring Eden into fruition as a working community, working together for each other. And then that way we might be able to go forward and really get this on, you know, putting putting basically all that's done in the last five terms and beyond that, put it all together now and synchronize it. And both Mo and me had a list of around 10, P, 10 uh, different tasks prioritized. And uh, we might not agree on all of them. Reputation also, sorry, uh, reputation I got to mention. That's also a priority, his mind, my mind, because of the engagement side, encouragements, et cetera, et cetera, and the civil attacks, civil checks. So not much detail, very sweeping words, because we are not ready yet. We are not, uh, it's got to be at least up to next week. But tomorrow evening, we, we, we're having an, an uh, totally unofficial uh, info, not unofficial, uh, unofficial as well, but informal uh, meeting, all delegates, all delegates, and that's been announced already in our Eden Community Telegram group. 
So tomorrow, Thursday, is 1800 UTC, and we do it in Telegram, and it's informal uh, a meeting of all delegates, and that's both the currently active and past uh, delegates. We are keeping it at that level for this time because it's informal. It's a way of getting to know each other a bit better, all of us. Next week, we start with the first official meeting, but we need to yet 100% determine what time, what day, etc. And I want to mention one thing at this stage. Uh, when we heard David earlier talking about checks and similarly Shintai, uh, he is in a very good orator, very good information coming in. I really enjoyed the time here sitting. I have a few small, uh, uh, not bags, but I have a few checks. And the thing is, each one have their own qualities. And I heard a little bit talks when it was only two uh, in our community room. It was only two CDs and similarly. And why do we really need this chief delegate, this head chief and similar, that's not needed. And what is his role really? Then it was one or two voices said, oh no, that's a spokesperson for uh, Eden and similar. That's the main role nowadays and similar. Well, it might be so, it's not stipulated, but at the same time, I can understand why people think so. But if you look at Mo and me, I'm a silent guy working away in the background, sitting as a fly on the wall, taking it all in, and with a lot of experience, 30 years backwards in organizations, leaderships, etc. So that's what I do best. When it comes to speaking, like you pick up tonight also, I'm not the best orator, and similarly, while Mo and a couple of speakers back, really clear, concise. Each one need to do what they are best at. And I'm best at sitting in the background working. So although I am, and I mentioned this so that everyone understand why Mo is very visible in Telegram, I've asked him to actually be the spokesperson and the official speaker and whatever on Eden on EOS matters in Telegram and whatever videos and what it might be. Because he have an eloquent way as well to convey information. I'm more stumbling and similarly, and that's why I always like to work from behind a little bit in the background, but we are working together very closely and agree whatever is publicly said and similarly. And now we also have to bring in the delegates and similar. And next week we'll start outline what we plan to do to get really jump started next week. We already been approaching a a few people and similar. We are canvassing a little bit, uh, different qualities and different interests, and we're doing so continuously now. So if you feel that you oh, have been left out by next week or something, hey, contact me or Mo. Let us know that, hey, you want to jump in in anything of those things you hear. So, I mean, uh, it's going to be a community effort here now and community engagement going to be built up. That's our future to really get this one off the stem. We have to fix up our own house. Either need to be organized up in a bit better way and than what it is now. Not so much the individual projects and similarly. We've got to use what we have now, put it together nicely, and then stem on forward with that. So that's all I can say for now. I can't I don't want to, and I can't give you much more detail than that. Also have priorities. There is a whole bundle of other things, including bylaws and other things. But uh, 
it will come in the next week for everyone. So just stay tuned. But remember the meeting for all delegates, historical and current ones, tomorrow evening, 1800 UTC. Thanks. That was a great, great speech, Lenny. Um, I would disagree that you stumble with your words. I think you're a very eloquent speaker. And uh, I'm happy that the community is going to get to see more of your work in the forefront instead of uh, in the background. Although I'm sure, like you said, you'll be doing a lot of background work. But uh, happy to see you, uh, you know, front and center for Eden for this term. I think it's going to be good for the, uh, for the community for sure. Thanks for the kind words. I'll second that. I'll second that. This is Dan Keyes right here. Uh, yeah, I thought you did a great job summarizing there, Lenny. Uh, I was proud to be elected as a L1 delegate for my second time uh, in this term. Uh, I think you did a great job. It's, it's great to hear that um, the priorities you outlined there, Lenny, as, as well as Jesse, very much aligned with my own thoughts and, and the themes that came out of the conversation in my group. Um, so, you know, some of the things we talked about was, for example, hey, we got 500 members, but only 75 people registering for this election. What gives? How can we do a better job at um, getting more people to show up to the election? Well, ignoring growing the, the community. We've got 500 peer, people here. How can we make the most of the community we already have? Um, and yeah, one of the, the one of the big things is, is you know, what Jesse and, and Lenny both touched on is let's make the election process smoother. Um, we should maybe set an objective that maybe the next election, let's set an objective that there should be no groups that don't come to consensus due to technical issues. That would be a great goal to achieve. Um, I see Lewis in the chat too early in the morning. Um, it, it was also Easter, which was, I don't know if that impacted the, the turnout. Um, something that I notice running Pomelo now for five seasons and heading into our sixth season is that the technology, the platform that we build is a huge part of the effort, but another huge part of the effort is the support function, the administrative function, the marketing function. Um, and we've got sort of this, um, you know, Edania has been awarded a contract to serve the role of, of the software maintenance and, and upgrades. Maybe we should have a similar role for more of like an administrative marketing function for the for the Eden uh, community that's you know stays stays between terms similar to how this how it works with Daniel where they they carry over the knowledge from one term to another and that the chief delegates can decide if they want to renew that contract into the next season and they would be responsible for things like looking at the calendar and and, and avoiding booking elections on holidays and collecting email addresses for all the members and sending out email reminders that there's an election coming and how to register and, you know, just getting the basics down um, before we start focusing on doing too much uh, beyond that. And, and if we can just aim to have a smooth election with a higher turnout, I think that would be a, a big step in the right direction for the Eden community. Totally agree from this side. And much, I should add, it's very much that kind of thing we are talking about, how to achieve it. And uh, we have uh, contacted also external parties a little bit in certain areas. So, uh, yeah, next week, we'll. I, I'm sorry not to say much more, but next week, 
And, uh, you know, we need to still follow through with a few things and other things and see how we best outline and get everyone in. And the delegates who do join tomorrow evening in this meeting, they'll get a little bit more meat on it. But it's not going to be, so to say, official until we have really sorted through. Me and Mo have already spent a lot of time on these things and going through daily with each other, you know, and stuff. So uh, I think we've gone off to a very good start, even if it is not that visible. And it will be so much more coming, I hope. And I'm trusting that it will happen. It's up to the delegates and the membership and the community, community to join the ride and make it happening. Thanks. Hey, Lenny, quick clarification. The meeting tomorrow, we said, is for all delegates, historical or current. So if for anyone that's ever right. been elected, did I understand that right? Yes, uh, official elections. I mean, anyway, we have your, uh, most of you would know. I mean, there's a number of them here in this call. Oh. And similar, and also historical delegates. And in there, you have a meeting time notice. Mo put it up. As I said, Mo will be the one mo most dealing with public announcements and whatever. And uh, he put it up just a bundle of hours ago about this one. So that is for all delegates, even from term one, two, three, et cetera, et cetera. And, but there will be one limitation, and that is that kind of a speaking rights will be for the active delegates. But everyone can weigh in in the chat and whatever. Next week will be the first official meeting for all members and everything also to listen in. But tomorrow evening is more like an informal get together and chat things out and lay it out a bit and touch a little bit and get a feeling of our current delegates. How active are they? How much do they show up, etc., etc. So it's the first little step. All right. Thanks for that clarification. I like I like the concept of that meeting. Uh, unfortunately, I've never managed to get elected in the room, so I can't. I'm not going to be joining. But um, maybe maybe next term. Who knows? All right. Anyone else want to jump in here with some comments about Eden before we go on to our two final topics of the day already passed? Two hours for this fireside chat been a, had been a little bit since we got, we hadn't gone over two hours. We were definitely due. Still over 70 people in the Discord. Pretty awesome. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. I got, uh, I guess, you know, just thinking about uh, what was really helpful. Um, just the, the election prior really had fantastic turnout. And then this one was a little lower. And I'm trying to think, you know, what, what can I do personally to help with that? And I feel like... The, Maybe uh, not the people who production. bring in a lot of Eden members to an election. All right, that's that's the only comment uh, I put in there. No, that wasn't what I was going to say. But go ahead. No, that's. I'll it. give you. You want to talk some more? No, no, that's it. It's just sorry for interrupting. I don't, uh, Good boy, Chris. No, no. Uh, well, so shaming Eden members. Uh, no, who, it's just, I got, heat, I got heat two elections ago for bringing in a lot of people and making sure a lot of people showed up to the election, right? Uh, and so that's kind of just what I was hinting at. And um, so anyways, I shouldn't have said anything. I'm sorry. Well, ap apologies if I, if, I, if I personally shamed you, uh, Stefan. I think the concern was more about the idea of having proxies and people who you entered who you were controlling their wallet to vote for them. I think that was more of the not bringing in new people. That's great. But bringing in people who are simply a shell of yourself is probably the more contentious aspect. Definitions of board. Anyways, all good. All good. 
What, what did you want yes, to say about this current current term? Uh, thank you. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, I think last time, two elections ago, the really um, this idea of uh, the Eden proxy became this sort of election hot topic to drive interest. So I'm going to kind of double down my efforts maybe over the next three months to really bring that back up. And let's push this proxy idea and uh, see if that can spark some more interest in the next election. So I'm going to do my bit. And I think that's what I'll, uh, I'll try to do. <laughs> Will this proxy have 1% inflation wanting to be allocated to it? You know, I think that's too low. I feel like inflation is this opportunity. Let's uh, let's double down. Nice. Let's make the All proposal right. even higher and uh, right. see what that really I'll, I'll get a bunch of people in for the next election, Chris. Don't worry about it. See? Here we go. It's working already. I love it. That's all. Thank you very much. All right, cool. Thanks for thanks for sharing, Chris. Anyone else want to get in here? Some Eden election drama. I just wanted to say that I think it's really interesting uh, to echo some of um, Jesse's thoughts that uh, we just have two uh, CDs, even though. In some ways, it was kind of just a failure to solidify the consensus that was reached in the room. Um, I'm personally excited to see what happens when just two people are CD and uh, there's there's just less coordination of troubles uh, between two people. And I think also that Mo and Lenny are very uh, um, of, a, of a very similar temperament and and mission vision values kind of perspective so it's going to be really interesting to see the direction they take things i'm looking forward to it <clears throat> and i'm not elected so i can just kind of sit back and enjoy help from the sidelines and uh see what happens Also, if anyone know, uh, has a friend named Sybil, I'm still looking to induct somebody named Sybil into the Eden community. I feel like we need to do that. So let me know. I feel like I don't need to do that myself. Look at that, Brandon. <laughs> Yes, Steph, in case you are talking, you are muted. Just Of course I'm talking to myself. Yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> God damn it. Um, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, I was saying I think it's time to move on uh, to our next topic. But of course, 
our L1 delegates, our head chief delegates, always invited back to the fireside if you guys want to come on another show to talk about a specific topic, of course. Okay, moving on to the Node Operator Roundtable from April 5th, which was a which had which featured a bunch of demos of new features coming to the antelope protocol so we're going to share a little picture here i'm not going to go too deep into the details here um but i did want to read out kind of all the topics that were discussed some of these topics are very technical of course if they're interested in interesting for you then you can go check out the video that I just shared uh, in the chat. Uh, so there's um, some live demos, of course, on this call. Read-only transactions, snapshot scheduling API design specs, performance harness tests, auto-peering for BP nodes, Prometheus exporter plugin, log splitting, faster block propagation, multi-thread support, and subjective CPU improvements. So. For those of you who are looking forward to more Antelope protocol improvements, not just EOS EVM uh, news, there's definitely been a lot in the works, like a couple of guests have said so far on the show. And you can see some of these things um, on this Node Operator Roundtable uh, video that was published uh, just a few days ago. Um, speaking of roundtables, there's the uh, next block producer roundtable that's happening later tonight, I believe. Uh, those are not publicly broadcast, but the topics discussed will be shared with the community um, over the coming days and over the coming week by either the block producers or uh, the ENF. I think they're they plan on uh, posting recap articles, if I remember correctly, uh, for these. BP roundtable calls. All right, and finally, rounding up, rounding out our topics today, talking a bit about Pomelo NFTs once more. Our Pomelo astronauts are lining up for the Bitcoin ordinal mission. The deadline has been set. You have until 420, that's April 20th, to send in your Pomelo astronauts to be part of this mission. There is a cap of 100 total astronauts that are able to be sent on this mission. And we may be revealing some more things about what will happen to these astronauts when they go on their mission. We also we already revealed that they're getting a facelift. Uh, we've got an artist that's going to be redesigning uh, your favorite Pomelo astronauts in order to make them more suitable for the Bitcoin blockchain. So it doesn't cost us uh, thousands and thousands of dollars to mint our full astronauts on the Bitcoin uh, blockchain. Uh, and then, yeah, some other things may be happening. We'll be sharing some more news about that in the coming week. So the deadline to send your astronaut will be next week at the end of Thursday on April 20th. And that's going to wrap it up for the topics on my agenda. At this point, of course, uh, if the community has any other topics, anyone wants to share some updates, ask some questions, feel free uh, to do that. We're going to give it a couple of minutes and then we're going to wrap up the show. Yes, Bishop, I totally forgot. I don't know, I got lost in my in my agenda notes here. We, we're not done. There are more topics to talk about. Uh, EOS Respect had an election just a few days ago and we've got Bishop 
uh, that's been very patiently waiting for me to invite him to the stage uh, here with us to talk about it. Bishop, the stage is yours. Been a good time so far. Coming in a bit low, Bishop. I don't know if that's just me, but the volume is kind of low. No, it's really quiet. I'm going to crank your user volume on my side, but um, probably good to fix something on your side as well, Bishop. Corrected. Should be better. There we go. So very uh, sad to say, we don't have any drama to share for the suspected actions. I'll see what I can do for time. Very sorry about that. But it's yes. okay, you're excused. The elections went great, thank you. So like you mentioned earlier in the show, in the first ad chat, on how people and businesses can join the US ecosystem and find the best place to contribute their unique skills and get rewarded for it, most importantly. So for eight months now, at the support, we have helped launch the centralized user respect community to, well, help tackle this very question. Uh, the biggest challenge with Web3 today is onboarding new users, always. And many of you here today are aware of how much your support has done in terms of guide creations, translations, developer surveys, everything the users need to easily join the user community and get started. But that's just the beginning for a healthy community of informed users. Uh, what we need is an ecosystem where every single one of us and our projects can contribute value and thrive to sustain our economy. So as for the ambassadors programs of your support, we launched your suspect as a first step towards that. Uh, we cloned the EDNOS D app used for EDN elections. We renamed it RespectOS and improved it even further in the last months. Uh, we made it available to any organization that wants to benefit from the consensus playoffs mechanism. And we deployed the respect treasury well, to anyone and any business that wants to donate to. And we started having the elections. So that was eight months ago. We just held our eighth election yesterday. And now when someone asks how they can join your support and how they can contribute, we have that all the all of the weeks. And so now with your respect, they have a reliable way to collaborate with other community members and direct resources to what matters most to them. So Quick shout out to Lenny first for his election in Eden. I was with him in the Eden election breakout room for the elections. And he was with me as well in my breakout room for the EOS Respect elections. Uh, the two encounters were very different. At Eden, uh, he was uh, advocating for how to build a community, how to make sure Eden has a clear vision of where it wants to go. And at the EOS Respect elections, well, we just came to consensus on how to distribute the funding to the best deserving projects. And that's what we did. So, so far for eight elections now, we have elected 40 delegates in total. And they built consensus around the most recognized community projects and distributed 99 donations across the ecosystem at primary seasons as well. Uh, all the while, they've been upholded to do regular reports on their projects, all the projects they want to collaborate with and represent. So, so far, we have 49 active members uh, with uh, eight elections so far. And at this election, we am happy to say we have five new delegates. We have Nicola Davon from the EOSBs, and he donated to a variety of projects such as ADEX, Port, EOS Synergy. And much more. We have Veronica Diaz as well, which donated to US News Challenge DAC. We have Haza from US Synergy. 
and uh, Tran from EOS Vietnam, which is going to help him a lot with uh, launching the community there. And one of the most interesting delegates we have for this term is Marcus, which is right now an administrator at EOS uh, support. And so whenever people ask us how they can contribute and join EOS support, uh, I'm very happy to say we have EOS back for that now. And it works very well. So Marcus, when he started, just went on doing translations, doing it on one on he did what he wanted to do and contribute the value he wanted to contribute to the EOS ecosystem through his respect. And he got the recognition for his work there. And from there, he got onboarded into his support and slowly but surely became an administrator just because people saw the value he brought. And so after eight elections, his respect is still working as intended. We have a clear vision. We want to bring accountability to our public goods on EOS. We want a place where anyone that wants to contribute value can do so there, collaborate with others, receive funding for it. And this is just the first step. With your support, we are planning on launching many new decentralized organizations that will be there to receive and welcome anyone that wants to contribute a specific skill in our community. So we have EOS Synergy, which has the giveaway show that I host every Thursday, uh, also has that for the African community. Uh, we have EOS Synergy. We are launching a new show for Chinese community as well. We shrunk from the community and planning on doing a Spanish show as well. And the EOS Synergy community will have the same consensus mechanism as EOS Respect and Eden. And that will be for the people skilled at creating content and videos and being influencers on behalf of EOS. So able to distribute funding, collaborate all through that in OS clone that we did. And after that, we have EOS Audit, which will be there to welcome all the people skilled at auditing. That will help us a lot at EOS Respect in providing new information and transparent information on all our public goods and projects on EOS. And after that, we have EOS Learn and Earn as well, where that will be for people skilled at creating educational content for EOS and guides and videos and everything. So that's our goal so far. And uh, EOS Respect was just the start of it. And we're very happy where we're heading with this. Having multiple organizations decentralized, uh, ready to welcome specific skills into our community, people that want to contribute. And that's how we think we're going to achieve an ecosystem that is thriving, one that have, has everything that it needs to welcome people with different skills and different ways to contribute value. So happy to say that anyone that wants to join use respect and onboard this well new initiative that we launched, I'll be posting in the Discord uh, the notion on how to join if you wish. Linking it right now. And maybe Dario has already. And I see that Sebastian has already posted the use respect elections, uh, accountable funding uh, publication also that you can learn more about the whole process there. And I'll be linking as well everything that we have on statistics. Of course, everything we do out here support, we keep tabs on it and including use respect elections, how the funding is distributed, etc. I'll be posting that as well. Happy to answer any questions that you guys have. Girls. Thank you, thank you, Bishop, uh, for that uh, for that great update, and congratulations to uh, the chief delegates for EOS Respect. Uh, thank you, Stephen.
right. Another topic I forgot to bring up. Thanks, uh, Brandon, for, for reminding me. Consensus event going on next week. In two weeks, not next week. Uh, in two weeks, um, April 26th to 28th on the Tuesday night. April 25th is the launch event for the for the community for the conference which is organized by the ENF and so you can uh, event time is from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. on Tuesday April 25th it's in 13 days and if you want more information you can check it out at the eosnetwork.com blog site there we go Brendan already reshared it good stuff um, we're sending a couple of people to the event, we got Dave and Jason from our team that, that's going to be there. If you guys are going to be there as well, reach out to us, reach out to Brandon, definitely get your names on the invite list. I'm not sure exactly um, how that's going on. I think there's a button here you can click on the website, on the blog page I just shared. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to see as many people from the EOS community as possible. It's not uh, branded very aggressively as EOS uh, for this event. So there's likely going to be a whole wide range of people from the crypto community. So it'd be great to have a nice, strong EOS presence to let everyone know about uh, all the exciting developments going on in the network. Anything else you want to add to that, uh, Brandon? Yeah, just that it'd be great to see everybody there. Um, if you can make it, um, reach out to me. Might be able to... Although you're running out of hours, uh, the ticket prices go up today and not that many hours, but reach out to me, um, see what we can do. Maybe we can help get some discount on the ticket price, but yeah, just let me know. Um, you can hit me up here on Discord or Telegram and otherwise, uh, yeah, look forward to see everybody there. Are you So are you going to be there, uh, Lovejoy? I am going to be there. Awesome. And along with Liam and Zach and um, the other Zach, uh, developer Zach, who's also on the call here today. I believe he's going to be there. And yeah, uh, a couple of the people, Patty, uh, I think is going to be there. Um, and other people I'm probably forgetting right now. So should be should be a lot of fun. There you go. And we've got... Uh... There's a short panel conversation about the future of gaming going on at that event. We've got Zach representing us on that panel. There's Danny Wolf, Chief of Staff for Upland. Justin, the CEO of the Telos Foundation, will be there as well. Anton, CEO of Helica Analytics. I'm not, uh, not familiar with that, with that team. And um, some moderators from uh, Blockchain Game Alliance. Exciting stuff. Looking forward to hear the stories from you guys when you come back and from Dave and Jason as well, if, uh, if, if, if they have stuff to share when they come back. All right. Two and a half hours, 63 soldiers still in here. Love Stefan. Oh, Stefan. Patrick. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was fixing my uh, Mickey issue and now I can maybe jump in a little bit. Just want to thank you very much, uh, Brandon Lovejoy, for the awesome job that he has made this Saturday. Six-hour call on this election, term six. I have just finished to timestamp the MP4 that uh, Brandon uh, 
here into the the chat i hope you 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 see the i will put again maybe okay let me do that i will put that into the chat again that's about the video not of six hours but of three hours not three hours exactly but did you get, uh, did you get it under three hours i was i was i was braveheart <laughs> uh, and that's shorter than brave art exactly i was seeing your message and i was uh, struggling to make this video digest and i have uh, achieved i have worked like a lion all is time stamped there are there are nice discussion into this video basically the summary of this uh, video i can do a, a short summary of that uh, it's about let me see my pitch of that Okay, so on April 8, 2023, the Idononios members attended the election six. For the first time, a non-transferable token entity was issued on the EOS Atomic Asset Hub on EOS. Part of the reputation system, system civil protection. In this video, we discussed treasury, reaching consensus, Pitch of the new chief delegate, shout out Lenny, shout out Mo. Cooperation, collaboration, and other topics. See the timestamps. Idenonios is the perfect ecosystem we have to strive with a narrative of collaboration on chain between antelope networks. Idenonios is an on chain decentralized distributed sandbox engine with total value locked in smart contract. Onios, delivering a toolkit for reputation system, including civil protection, where many platforms will be created using this civil protection and reputation reputation system. For example, EOS Digital Extended Network, EOSDE.net, if you go on EOSDE.net, uh, that's live, and we are working with CIC. Vlad, Lenar, I am working every day on that, um, uh, calling all station and putting the people on this platform because that will help Eden Onios, Pomelo, Antelope Network, ENF. We have all to collaborate together. And that's not the time to point the finger on someone. That's the time to work together. And shout out to Jesse. He has made a fantastic article on Twitter with penguins explaining what does it mean to collaborate, to, to, to not uh, make a bad uh, judgment about other brands when you are doing yourself uh, a brand. That's very important to be inclusive, cohesive. So now on this election term six, we have fantastic people that want to help Lenny, Mo, so we have to work very inclusive, cohesive, and that's not the time to think about that Eden will die. That's the time to to make all what is possible to, to work together. Whatever happens, collaboration with Lenny, Mo, I am not a CD, I am not a delegate level one, but I am interviewing them next week, Mo and Lenny, and I will also uh, be behind them. I will chase them. I will be behind. We will work together. And there will be special Eden on EOS, Antelope Swiss Workshop on May 23rd. I announce here, Myra Wrong will be in. Denis Carrier will be in. 
Vlad will be in, Jesse Jaffe will be in, uh, CAC will be in, a nice workshop on May 23rd to give full exposure to Eden Onios, Pomelo, Antelope Networks. So what else? We have just to be happy. All right, thanks, Patrick. Uh, thanks, Patrick, for those uh, those comments and your contributions to Eden and uh, the Fireside. That's great. Ah, I forget. I want just to say shout out to Nicola Dawan uh, going into the support your uh, uh, support election there. I am not the time to join the election. One day I will. I will join for sure. Uh, they are doing a great job. Shout out to to uh, Randall Roland. Shout out to Bishop. Shout out to everyone in your support. And uh, we have to take example on people that are doing the things and uh, not uh, pointing uh, anything, just working together. So now on this term, we have just two shift delegates, but that's very great because that's incentivize us to, to work with them. So now it's the moment of truth on this election. Uh, Stefan, also shout out to you to have pointed the problem on the election term um, five. Uh, I was at the beginning a little bit upset. And then when I was seeing backward and connecting the dots, I was thinking that was a great uh, thing. And I saw into the room uh, launching uh, Edgar. He was seeing that you were uh, doing a fantastic uh, acting. Uh, there was also Rorge. Uh, launching a lot and I, at the end I think that was great to have made that because that's that helped us to to improve and there are always glitches with the round two on this on this term but uh, spinning wheel and etc and Edgar uh, Edenia they are uh, analyzing analyzing the logs that's nothing to do with the videos that's to do with other point querying the smart contract Thanks, so Patrick. that's nice. Thank Just you. be uh, positive, uh, guys, and follow what is doing uh, Eden Onios on this term six. All right. Thank you, Patrick. Um, Shans, did you want to get on stage, ask a question, or you can also just type it in the chat if you've got some yes. general uh, questions? Oh, it was a great session. Uh, it was quite a marathon, two and a half hours. I loved every bit of it. Um, and uh, it's it's great joining the team. I just moved to Toronto, and they have a here we have like a thriving community. I just have a couple of questions. Uh, the first is uh, is EOS taking part in the Futurist uh, conference, which is going to be along with ETH Toronto around August. And second thing is that I know that some active Canadians here uh, in the EOS community, and how do I formally join the next? non-technical part of the ENF. Uh, so I would love to know more about this. All right. Uh, great. Thanks for joining us. Great questions. As for the Futurist Conference, I've not heard any official announcements from the ENF, uh, if they're going to be there or not. Um, I know uh, Daniel Keyes, uh, usually, he's from Toronto as well, and he usually attends this conference. So I think he... I'm thinking he's going to be there this year as well. So uh, maybe you can connect with him. Um, 
Um, about your other question of join, officially joining the ENF as a non-technical member, I'm not sure exactly what you mean there. Are you looking for uh, a job or do you just mean like to be integrated in their channels and their communities uh, online? Uh, for a role, you know, uh, it'd be great. My, uh, I mean, the, the sales and marketing side would help. So uh, anybody here in the chat I could connect to? Uh, there is a careers page uh, link here. I'm going to share it here in the chat. There's a workable.com slash ENF link, basically. And yeah. there's definitely some um, some non-technical roles, social media managers, senior manager growth marketing that are posted there. So that could be a good, a good spot uh, to start. Uh, other than that, you can also reach out to Zach or Brendan, um, and they can maybe point you in the right direction as well. Cool, I have that, but uh, yes, I thought somebody who's there on team to to talk more about you know because most of the jobs are not posted online. So yeah, thanks, thanks for that. There you go, awesome. Thanks for thanks for joining us on the fireside for the first time in a couple of months. Glad you enjoyed the show. I enjoyed it uh, as well. It was pretty good, pretty good show today. Hopefully we can get more interesting guests like this to join us on the fireside. Uh, it was great for David, uh, CEO of Chintai, to join us uh, this week. Hopefully we'll have uh, someone from Sentinel next week as well. A bit more technical, maybe talking about EOS audits and all that good stuff. Uh, but I'm sure that the conversation is going to be very interesting there as well. Drew's saying we had like seven, 97 participants at this point. So close to three digits. That's right. Um, we need to invite some more, more big names in the community to get to those three digits of uh, simultaneous uh, Discord users here in the voice chat. 97, that's the number that we need into the next election, Eden. Yeah, Eden needs to step up or else uh, EOS Respect may uh, surpass the Eden election numbers next cycle if, uh, if the trends are continuing uh, like they did in the past cycle. But sounds like, uh, anyways. Anyway, okay, we cool. will do all what we can. Yeah, of course. Exactly. All right. Anyone else want to maybe share some final thoughts before we wrap it up for today? Two hours, 45 minutes of EOS Fireside Chat. By the way, go EOS. We're getting there, Patrick. We're getting there. <laughs> Hold on. No, 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 no. I say uh, generally speaking. Oh, not for generally the... speaking, not not for the outro, just in general. Oh, no, never, oh, okay, never okay, mind, okay. never mind. Okay, okay. By the okay, way, Joeyos, just, you know. Yeah, uh, and by, by the way. way, by the way, put a joy right, inside right, your right. name. All right, Jan is posting the music, cat give. Yeah, Eos. All right, all right, I get, I get the hint, guys. Let's wrap it up here. Thank you everyone for joining. It was a great chat, actually. Hope you guys are doing well, and we'll be back at it next week. Until and now, then, let's go. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, baby. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Goyos, non de plus de merde, Goyos! And go Eden on Eos!
with 97 on the next one. And join the call. Help. Do something. Louis, that's the better word. Nom de bleu de merde, coyote.